We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. We at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to another Brooklyn Buzz Rewatch. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. And special guest today, Will Jackson. Fellas, how we doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Very swell. Good to have Will on the show. I'm excited. I'm excited to do another rewatch. We did one of these a couple weeks ago of Game 1 from the playoffs last year. Today, we're doing the last game the Nets actually played against the Lakers, so that's going to be fun. And as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Blue Wire Pods. And the stream is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Yeah, it's sad that you mentioned this was the last game that we played, but um, at least we know it's a good one. It had a great ending to it. True. At least that, it ended on a win. That, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, that's a, you always want to go out with a hurrah and i mean the i posted the photo which was the moment where it was just like kevin durant yelling at anthony davis's face it's 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 a good watch it's a good look it really is there's a lot of good photos from this and it's funny how like this game had such a big ending and it's kind of sad in the aspect of like this could have been a real momentum builder for the nets just beating the lakers and we know how hyped the lakers were from that previous weekend they had where they beat the clippers and bucks so you would think the nets coming off a win like this would be super confident yeah, and especially because they just changed coaches. I mean, it felt like that was kind of a, a little change the Nets needed. I mean, I love Kenny, but Jack Vaughn, I mean, he only had two games to show us what he could do. But, I mean, those two games, the Nets came out with wins. And, like, 
it, it just felt like we were trending in the right direction, especially because Karras was going off throughout like the last, I think, two or three weeks of the season. I mean, just felt like the team was trending in the right direction and this kind of capped it off. Yeah, I'll always give a shout-out to a guy with the same first name and is uh, called Jacques. It's uh, always a nice thing to <laughs> have a, ve- a fellow Jacques brethren uh, doing some nice things in the world. Especially for the Nets team that you love. And I think even though it was only two games for Vaughn, I saw a couple minor changes. I think one thing we referenced a lot in the buzz, just between those two games, you saw the Nets switch a lot more. Mm-hmm. No, definitely felt yeah. like they were overall playing better as a team. I mean, it felt they felt more consistent. They felt better defensively. I felt like a lot of the substitutions that they were making, I thought DeAndre starting was a big change that needed to happen, although I'm a big Jared Allen fan. He wasn't playing as good as DeAndre Jordan down the stretch, and I felt like switching to DeAndre starting and playing a little bit more than Jared just helped the team a little bit more too. I think yeah, I, I, I like think the physical that, presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I agree with both of you guys on that one. I know in this game, you know, Anthony Davis still plays quite well and he gets an open shot at the end. You know, LeBron still has his physicality, but I think part of it is that a Lakers let down and the, and, the, and the Nets caught them, I guess, at the right time. Spencer's always going to want to show off a, in front of his home crowd. And, you know, the, the Afro is growing for him. I, I think we need some Instagram updates from uh, the number <laughs> eight audience of one himself. I want to see if it's uh, competing for Jared Allen in terms of top throws on the Brooklyn Nets squad. Yeah, who do you think is going to have the bigger throw by the time the season starts up again, Jared or uh, or Spencer? Oh, it's definitely Jared. Not, nothing's competing with that. That is all. That is an all. That is a seventies. That's a Doctor J yeah. style Afro. He, he belongs in a different okay. era. It is so goddamn perfect. Okay, but do you think Jared's going to keep his fro in his entire career if he keeps his hair long? Is it like a James Harden sort of thing where it's just like, well, James Harden actually developed into the beard. Whereas yeah, he didn't Jared, start out with that. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, if, if he can maintain that longevity, I will respect the hell out of it. And I think he should, to be fair. You know, it's just so many merchandising opportunities. You know, we've already seen like some cool t-shirts and stuff. And you know, he's already got an awesome nickname, the Fro Flush, all those different things. Commentators are going to love him. If he turns into, you know, a real, a real top center, I think there's uh, marketing opportunities aplenty and uh, probably even more than uh, Ruffles jalapeno style. <laughs> is I it mean, his, uh, jalapeno or, or is it lime? What is it? I can't remember. I, I don't know. But uh, his sophomore season, I mean, that's kind of when he got the nickname. Ryan Rucco did the fro, just got the king, and that's kind of kind of where he took off from there, just being known as you know, one of the best blockers in the NBA. And, you know, the fro nickname kind of stuck from there. I think it helps him too that he has the afro because he's not a very like outgoing guy. He's not like going to give you all these sound bites, so it kind of helps with his personal brand if he can pop off. But it will be interesting to see if he keeps the fro his entire career. It's also interesting to see if he's on the Nets next season. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, important, it's been a lot important of update. Sorry, Will. Important update: lime and jalapeno. Lime and jalapeno. Interesting uh, mix. There, there you go. That's. I mean, that could be a good mix. Yeah, it could. It makes you think of tacos. I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's a better tortilla chip than a than a I potato chip. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the ruffles. Whenever, yeah, mm-hmm. whenever I do go to the states, I like a, the the cheddar and sour cream. I, I think that's one of the flavors over there. I'm always a big fan of any sort of ruffled chip because I think the flavor molecules just explode a little bit. I, I don't I don't mean to get scientific about chips here, but uh, <laughs> I think uh, uh, people that I know. 
a quite in-depth know that uh, my love for potato chips is quite great. But um, no, we're not doing a, a two-hour potato chip podcast. I, I assure <laughs> uh, you, everyone. That I mean, I, I could do that. I mean, I'm more of a <laughs> guy myself. But uh, we we no, still have saying. a little bit of the lineups before we get into the game. We, we can hit the top five potato chips, Jack. What do you got? I want to hit Will. What's the Doritos uh, favoritism? There's a lot of Dorito flavors out there. I mean, uh, God, there's so many. I mean, obviously, Cool Ranch is the classic. That is my favorite. Um, What else? Nacho cheese is a classic. The spicy purple bag is pretty good. Um, Other than that, I don't really find myself eating that many other flavors of Doritos. But um, no, for me, it's just those three are my top three. You going with a salsa? You going with a, a, a like a, a queso to sort of dip them in as well? You just going? No, just straight plain. naked, just like straight it. from the bag. Like Damn, like I've it. never like even really tried Doritos in like queso or salsa, and that sounds amazing. I don't know yeah. why I've never it, really it, a nice a nice spicy queso with a nacho or cool ranch that could be really good. Yeah, it is. It is a meal. Like you don't need dinner, <laughs> lads. You don't need lunch. Just get your Dorito bags, get a nice dip. I I am a, a huge advocate for chips and dip as a meal make it happen mm. yeah i mean even just going for out nachos put some ground beef on there yeah, yeah I, i've done it. that before now that is something well i mean we know what doritos tacos are but those things hit yeah now oh, we're getting nice. close to tip off getting away from these lineups obviously we got the game feed via nba.com so appreciate that this obviously we don't own it so <laughs> um but almost at tip off here In terms of the things that are popping off on that Twitter today, um, obviously the big things are that Drake quoting him and Will mm-hmm. has confirmed that he is going to curse our team uh, for all time. So thanks for uh, that, Drake. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I said I hope it doesn't happen. I didn't say it will happen. Okay, I'll, I'm, I'm construing <laughs> it in a different way. Well, I mean, I'm, Toronto, did have... just, Toronto did just win a ring, so maybe That's the curse is reversed. That's a good point. And now we're going to win it next year. That's yes. Oh yeah, I love that music to my ears, Willie Boy. Love it. <laughs> I mean, he does have. I think Drake does have KD tatted on him in some way, either being his number or something. Yeah, I remember seeing that, but um, I haven't listened to the album yet. I know Corey was all over it, like live tweeting it, pretty much. That dude is a. That dude <laughs> yeah, is it's a not stand. bad. It's not yeah, a bad I album at all. Yeah, I hear it's better than Scorpion, so I'm, I'm excited to give For it a listen. Part. I mean, depending on how deep a Drake fan you are, a lot of it got leaked over the course of like the last two mm-hmm. months. So I feel like I've heard a good chunk of the music on there already. But, you know, it definitely is something, especially during quarantine. And now we got tip off finally Lakers and Nets. Here we go. This is, I don't, because I wasn't able, I was teaching, working when schools were still open. And I didn't actually get to see the first three and a half quarters. I was lucky enough to see the last bit and then jump onto a buzz with Nick. So it's going to be interesting to me how this game sort of starts out and progresses. Obviously, we have DJ starting. You know, Toy and Prince hasn't been out there for a few games. Kenny was actually probably the first, was the, before he was five, did actually make that move to get Wilson Chandler out there. So th- this new sort of lineup, more vet style lineup, is something that I'm intrigued to see how it sort of works out and DJ, how he sort of fits with the, the starting lineup as well. Yeah, and I, uh, I think 
taking Torian out of the starting lineup is something that needed to happen. I mean, I like Torian Prince as much as anyone else. I mean, I know there's a lot of hate for them, hate for him out yeah. there, and that's Twitter. But um, no, I really do like him. I like him potentially as a bench player next year if we don't end up trading him. I mean, obviously we know his contract could be used in a uh, in a trade potentially, but um, I do like him possibly more as a three than a four. But I do I do think that he was struggling a lot, and definitely a change was needed. And I do like putting Chandler in there. Yeah, I think they also just Nick. needed Chandler's like toughness and physicality, especially in a matchup like this. Trying to ask, you know, Torian Prince to guard, you know, Anthony Davis or LeBron James just didn't seem like it would make sense. Where at least Chandler has some like girth to him and some size, and like you mentioned, Will having some of that veteran presence. I like the idea too. And to be honest, Prince wasn't playing enough to playing well enough to be a starter. Yeah, and I think a lot of us were complaining about the fact that, you know, why is he earning that sort of starting spot? And there was a point where, like, Karras was playing really well and was still not getting into the starting lineup. You know, I think that there's times where Coach Kenny will ride guys just way too much. Guys like, you know, Toyin Prince and Garrett Temple in, in early points of the season. It's just like, you know, Karras LeVert, you've got these other guys you can try. You can give Rodion's a try. Give, you know, Klax a try. It's um, It can be frustrating. And I think, you know, some of those frustrations may have led to, you know, his ultimate firing. Yeah, I, I don't remember, but I don't think we see Rodion's in this game. Is that is that accurate? I believe so. I don't remember sure. seeing him. Yeah. Yeah, but um, do you guys think that he deserves a little bit more of a chance than he got this season? I mean, do you think that has to do with Kenny not liking him? Do you think it has to do with uh, potentially his core problems, something off the floor? Maybe they just didn't like what they were seeing from him in the small glimpse this year. I mean, do you think he deserves more of a chance going forward? I think uh, it's a good the, question. You want to tackle it first, Jack? Yeah, because we discussed it a bit on the buzz as well, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts as well afterward. Because I know that we sort of compared him to Clax, and there's you know, so many different things when it comes to Rodions, and we sort of spoke about the fact that in terms of the prototype and what he has shown at his best, you know, he's more valuable than what Nicholas Claxton is because Nicholas Claxton is the third center on the roster, and Rodions Kurtz is a wing that the Nets have needed, but he he obviously hasn't shown anywhere near the sort of glimpses. He's probably had maybe 30 good minutes uh, over the entire season in terms of all the minutes that he has played. So I think he did deserve more of a shot. I think that when he did play well, Coach Kenny just mysteriously took his minutes away, which I thought was just you know, a, a bit absurd in a lot of ways. But Coach Kenny and his minutes, minutes allocation was a bit sort of questionable at the best of times. So uh, I certainly think he did more, deserve more of a shot, but... Coach Kenny loves to ride those vets. He he trusts them more than any of the young guys, really. Uh, and I guess, I, I, ultimately, yes, he deserved way more of a chance in my eyes. I think when I look at it from Rodion's, I think there was opportunities where he definitely should have played him, especially when the team didn't have a spark. There were other times where I felt like Rodion's didn't do enough to earn more playing time. But then there was other instances where I, like, against Boston in that comeback game, I thought he had a lot of good moments and stuff like that where, hey, Maybe you look to play this guy a couple minutes the next game. And even if you're not playing him big minutes, even if you're just squeezing him in some second quarter minutes, you're giving him an opportunity to earn more. And he also has a skill set that this team could have used. And I also brought up to Jack, like his peskiness and just like ability to provide energy, I think is something that, you know, could have been helpful to this team at points, especially when they were just like really dead and there was just not much going on offensively or defensively. Yeah, I mean, during his rookie year, he had those moments where he had those steals and dunks. And, I mean, he showed a lot of flashes during his rookie year. And, I mean, just for everything, it felt like it went downhill ever since the report came out about his court case. And then even going past that, I mean, it just felt like 
he wasn't the same player this year that he was during his rookie season. But um, if he's not involved in the trade, because I do think he still has some value, um, if he's not involved in a trade during the offseason, I do think that the Nets definitely should consider putting him back out there. I mean, even as a four, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him being playing like the four next to KD and DeAndre maybe or something like that. Because um, we did see that he was able to stretch the floor a little bit during his rookie season too. I think that, I mean, not only on offense, but on defense too, I think that he could be a really valuable asset. I think for Rodion Sue is like there's a couple things that I think he needs to do if he wants to try to earn minutes next season. One, stop hesitating on three point shots because I think mm-hmm. he had more travels on three point attempts than like anybody in the league if I had to guess. And then also yeah. just like the mental aspect of the game. Like understand positioning. Don't get beat on backdoor cuts. Stop with the ticky tacky fouls. Especially if you know you're only gonna be out there for X amount of minutes. You need to try to make those minutes as valuable as possible. And I also think maybe the transition, like Will mentioned, I think the court case 100% played an impact, but also the fact he was playing on a team that had expectations and there was just like a different type of pressure combined with the already outside stress he was dealing with. Mentally, his head was probably all in like a, a, I don't even know, just like a rubber band ball, just so confusing with everything going on. Yeah, but Nick, in, in that sort of sense, I, I agree with you and a nice little like pull up mid-ranger there from Karis LeVert. In terms of the, the developing the intelligence and the, the basketball IQ, one thing I think that is needed for that is consistency in minutes. And obviously, we've heard Coach Kenny and, and some of the rooks and some of the young guys sort of say that they don't necessarily go to Kenny Atkinson and ask him about like if he's getting any minutes in that sort of sense of the word, but he does tell the older guys, whereas I think it would be better for the opposite of the fact. You know, vets know what they need to do, you know, they know what their role is. They've been around the league for long enough. Oh, Spencer Dimity arguing. That's uh, that's nothing new. Um, <laughs> he had a good it, point, though, no, it, that he was definitely fouled. And we get this little replay here, Dinwiddie, and he yeah, he clearly runs into him, puts up a shot, expecting to get the three shots, or at least a, a, a side out of bounds. It should uh, have been a reach on, on every at least. Yeah, yeah at, the, at the very least, at the very least. But yeah, I think that in terms of, as we head into a timeout, in terms of that, I honestly believe that to develop basketball IQ in general, you need to be out on the court. And I think that the inconsistency... Uh, it doesn't allow you to develop a sense of basketball IQ. You know, you can only do so much in the G League. You only do so much on the bench watching guys chatting to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, the assistant coaches. So I think some of that, uh, I totally agree with you that he can play some, make some very dumb decisions. But I think some of it is because he's just not getting the, the consistency in minutes to sort of develop the confidence uh, and actual basketball knowledge that you get by being on a court against NBA talent. And that becomes the the balancing act of having, you know, a good team and then, like, trying to develop your young guys. I think the Nets were kind of caught in a weird spot this year, especially early in the season, debating if they wanted to try to, like, go as hard as possible and win as many games and really try to set that championship, you know, habits, which we heard KD mention before, and instead of, like, trying to develop the young guys, where it felt like as soon as Kyrie was out for the year, it would have probably made more sense to give the young guys more minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think having a more established veteran coach will also help. I think Kenny Atkinson, I think, was more focused on, you know, making the playoffs. We're not making the playoffs this year, but I think he was more focused on just, you know, running his rotations as normal despite Harry not being in there. Well, I think a veteran coach will understand more going into the future that, like, all right, so my veterans, you know, I, I've been – around the game a long time they've been around the game a long time they know what they need to do like you said and then you know having guys like Rodion's and Claxton and Musa you know he'll be able to speak to them and like tell them you know this is your role on the team and this is what you need to do and I think he'll work with them and the veterans to uh to get that in sync 
That was a great drive by Spencer. And you know, taking is... on Spencer Dinwiddie. It's taking on Anthony Davis. Sorry about that, Nick. No, no, I was just going to agree with what you were saying, Jack. This is the one, the first time we see Spencer take AD off the dribble right here. But this entire game, Dinwiddie's going to attack yeah. Anthony Davis, and he's going to have some crazy highlight plays where it's like, okay, Spence, you're playing with some extra juice tonight. Yeah, thing uh, again. I mentioned at the top, it's the hometown thing. Yeah. You're playing in front of the Lakers. You know, I think Spencer Dinwiddie has mentioned countless times, and so many players in the NBA have Kobe Bryant as their idol. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I think it was the proudest moment. And nice three by LeBron there. Uh, it was the proudest moment, you know, of his career. It seemed to me, anyway, the fact that oh, just missed the alley there. That seemed like old school. Spen- uh, Spencer and DJ. Um, it seemed to me that that was more of a proud moment than sort of being announced as the All-Star because he did say that. It's just like, you know, I don't need to be named an All-Star. Kobe Bryant thinks I'm an All-Star and that's what matters to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think he would probably be, he was probably pretty proud of the moment that he's going to have later tonight in this game. <laughs> For sure. And this, uh, this game kind of, kind of... Uh started a uh, Twitter feud between him and Lakers fans who've been following his Twitter at all during quarantine. Yeah, the I think it was the the, the between the legs yep. uh, assist and bounce pass and I'm just like look we all know he didn't do, like he didn't mean it but it's LeBron James it's like the the MJ mid-air switch layup like he he did mean that but it was unnecessary. <laughs> like yeah. you didn't have you didn't have to do that. I'm just looking I'm like you know rewatch it I just watched the last dance and all the replays come out and all the tweets come out I'm like he could have easily just finished with his right hand, but if you are that good, if you are LeBron James, if you are Michael Jordan, you got to keep things fun. You got to get on Twitter. You got to make those highlights. It's you know you got you're an artist and in, in, and you're composing and you're making things work in your own sort of way. And just pointing out another change, I think I'm obviously we have an extremely small sample size of two games, but you're seeing it a little bit tonight, especially early in this quarter. Is like. Hey, the Nets get a bad switch. TLC was in the post against Anthony Davis. Wilson Chandler comes over to help. And I feel like at times the Nets did not help enough during Kenny's scheme. Obviously, defensively, they already they had some great defensive ratings and some great numbers, but I think we all remember performances where, you know, X player would go for 30 and 20 against the Nets, and it's like, hey, why don't you guys just kind of send a double team and force somebody else to beat you? Yeah, I mean, that's what was so frustrating about facing guys like Andre Drummond and Dwight Howard in the past where it felt like there was nothing that we could do to stop them inside on both ends. And I feel like having, you know, Jack Vaughn in the way that he coaches and potentially another coach in the future because I don't know if he's going to be the coach when we get back to basketball. But I definitely think that that will help, especially against guys like that. It'll be interesting for Vaughn. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see. Uh, that's one thing in terms of the, the season being shut down. It's just like, well, we're not really going to get a massive set. If we, the NBA doesn't actually come back, how can you judge you know, Jacques Vaughn's tenure as a Brooklyn Nets head coach? He can't really. He's got like three, four games under his tenure. So, I mean, you have to judge everything else. And I think it's almost a, a blight against him, you know, because yeah. the, the Nets would have made the playoffs as well and he would have had a playoff mm-hmm. run, which gives him even more sort of credence and, and additions to his resume. Whereas, you know, if you're going up against Ty Lu and Jeff Van Gundy, all these other guys, they have their resume set now. You know, right now Sorry. Yeah, I mean, DJ, I, I think that <laughs> he's showing a lot more confidence, you know, in the latter part of the season. I think you know, getting that starting role, we know how much he, he, he was really sort of clamoring for that. And we saw pieces from ESPN and Jackie McMullen about that sort of being a sticky point within the Nets locker room. Yeah, and um, sorry, to, I, this isn't really off topic, but a lot of the trades that you mentioned on Nets Twitter today, Nick, I mean, they were talking about potentially Miles Turner and Victor Oladipo. I mean, do you think the Nets are going to potentially look for a center in the offseason? 
maybe to go next to DeAndre if they move Jared Allen? I mean, I'll tell you this. I absolutely love Miles Turner's fit next to KD and Kyrie. I don't know if they will pursue that. I think that would probably be like more of a secondary or third option or if it's part of a package deal. Hey, that makes sense. I think ideally what they'll pursue is either like some type of four, some type of three or two. I don't see them really eyeing a center unless it's like someone cheap because I think we've kind of discussed a little bit on the buzz before is like, you can get away with having average or just like competent centers. You don't necessarily need them to be world beaters if you have great players at other positions. And to be honest, like I'm okay with DeAndre being the starting center if they're able to make like an upgrade somewhere else in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, I'm fine with DeAndre. And I mean, I've seen people put out Rudy Gobert trades all over the internet. I am someone yeah. who is not in favor of that. As much as I do like Rudy Gobert and think that he is the best defender in basketball right now, and I, I know it's a little bit of an oxymoron because the Nets do need defense, but I, I'm not a fan of the offensive fit of Rudy Gobert next to KD Kyrie, potentially DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen if he stays too. But um, no, I, I I would prefer someone like Bradley Beal or Drew Holiday instead of Rudy Gobert. Yeah, we've already heard Gobert complain this season about not getting enough touches in the offense. You know, if you're playing with Katie and Kyrie, you are not getting touches and you do not deserve to get touches. You know, Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley is one thing, but Katie and Kyrie, you're taking touches away from them. That is bad offense. Yes. And then we've kind of talked about is he'll be due for a Supermax after his next contract. I just don't think the value is there for trading for Gobert where – Excuse me, I think you'd rather trade the asset somewhere else, like you mentioned, for a Bradley Beal, Drew Holiday. Or honestly, I'd be more excited in trading for upgraded role players. You know what I mean? I just think mm. I'm not sure if Gobert is the guy that I would want. And also his playoff you know, history, he hasn't yeah. necessarily done great in the postseason. You know, We've seen Houston expose him. We've seen switching teams expose him. Not to say he can't be great in a series against a team like Philadelphia, but I think I'd be a little bit nervous trading a lot of assets for Rudy Gobert. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, especially if you have to give up a Karis LeVert or Spencer Dinwiddie to get him. I'm not comfortable comfortable yeah. doing that. I think it would just be a thing. It would be like a rash move where it would make more sense to kind of sit and see what you can get. If, and then if like it gets to the trade deadline and your team's not hitting expectations and you need to make some type of change and Rudy Gobert maybe is the only guy on the table, maybe that's the time you pull the trigger. But definitely not a first option. I'm agreeing with you here, Will. Not, not an ideal fit in my eyes. Yeah, I'm. I'm just thinking ultimately, and you know, we've said a lot of this stuff on the on the buzz and on Twitter and stuff. But at the end of the day, when it comes to a final series and a playoff series and deep playoff series, Rudy Gobert is unlikely to be out there. You know, the Nets are going to be playing that sort of switchy style defense. Katie might spend some time at the five. You'd like to have maybe a Serge Barker style guy out there. You know, those sort of players that can play consistent minutes against the best teams. You know, if you, you're competing against an Anthony Davis and you're an offensive liability and a defensive liability that can't switch onto smaller guys, then it doesn't make sense. You know, I, I think that the big trades that the Nets need to make and to keep in mind are about guys that would. You know, I'm not saying, and this is probably going to get taken out of context. Like Aaron Gordon is a better stylistic fit on the Brooklyn Nets because I think he would play extended minutes in a long playoff series. I think that him and KD as interchangeable four, fives, threes makes a lot of sense. Uh, Aaron Rudy Gobert gives you a tremendous, probably makes us the, a top three defensive team in the regular season. But when it comes to the playoffs, when I want to be winning a championship. Aaron Gordon's going to be out there and guarding some wing types, guarding a LeBron James, guarding a Kawhi Leonard. Is Rudy Gobert going to be doing that? God, no. 
and then not to the fact is you already have DeAndre getting $10 million or whatever it is, and then you're going to be paying Rudy Gobert that. And there's a chance, like you uh, said, Jack, that you're not even going to be closing with a center. So I think from a cap situation and just kind of a cap distribution across the roster, not a great idea in my eyes, unless you maybe included DeAndre in that. But as we all know, DeAndre is probably, here. Yeah, it's probably is here as long as KD and Kyrie are here. Yeah, and another point that I want to make is you look at the teams that have won the finals in recent seasons, they haven't had a top 15 cent. I mean, maybe Marcus All, but he is past his prime for sure. But you look at the teams that have won, I mean, the championship in recent years. I mean, Festus Azili on the Warriors, Kevin Looney, two, Tristan Thompson on the Cavs. These have not been, you know, amazing starting centers, like top five at their position. They've just been able to get the job done and let, you know, the LeBron James, Steph Curry's, Kawhi Leonard's get to work. And I think that's what exactly what the Nets need. 100%. And I think that's why it's like you see all the centers that Will kind of mentioned. They're all more of complementary centers. Even Marcus Sowell at the point of his career, you could say he was a top 15 center. You probably could even say he was a top 10. But he was really in a complementary role where he was either helping the other guys take their game to the next level or setting screens or doing something to just like make it easier for them on the court or doing the dirty work. Yeah, I think that's that, – and you need to think about that at the end of the day in terms of what makes – what is best for Katie and Kyrie. And obviously, hopefully they're healthy, and that's what you're thinking at about the end of the day. And you know, I think that if you have Rudy Gobert on the team, you know, long-term, you're going to be an incredibly successful regular season team. I think you know, you're capped out you know, low-wise at like a 45 what the Nets are right now. The Nets will be consistently that sort of team. You know, a, a team that will consistently make the playoffs with Rudy Gobert because, you know, if you are a top defensive team, you're generally automatically, you know, a, a, a playoff contender, especially in a weekend. Or not, it's not really a weekend decent conference anymore. But I just think that regular season-wise, Rudy Gobert just makes so much sense. It's it's when he performs the best. But I can't name any you know postseason Rudy Gobert performances that are just like, oh wow, Clint Capella outplayed the dude a couple of years ago, and like, you know, Clint Capella isn't is maybe like a top. Six, seven center, and obviously his injuries are different. But you know, you don't want to be if you're meant to be the best player at your position, you should be playing in the most important times. One hundred percent. Yeah, and as I'm watching Jared Allen go to work here, he just had a really nice driving dunk. I mean, yeah, I nice. am fine with him being the backup center, him DeAndre running center on this team if we're making championship run if you know we have a better player than joe Har- no offense to you jack if we have a better player than like joe harris starting at the two um it's just how i feel honestly like if we're running out Kyrie, potentially drew holiday karis kd and deandre slash jared allen i'm fine with that compared to you know running with joe harris and then rudy gobert true yeah that's i think a, that's fair i think uh just like fit wise what'd you say jack I was just saying there was a nice defensive player, nice close out there by the team. Oh, my bad. I thought you were just bad, bad mouthing Loyal because about Joe Harris. No, I was actually thinking, like, if the season do return, does return and, like, there's been talk, obviously, about it being in a bubble in August and there's a chance that the regular season might not happen, I think it could put the Nets in an interesting decision, an interesting scenario with Chris Gioza because they would mm-hmm. probably want him on their postseason roster so they'd be forced to let somebody go. I would think that guy would probably be Theo Pinson. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as great as Theo is, ban- dancing on the bench and everything, and he's become one of the top memes in the NBA, and I'm so proud of that. But he is <laughs> not great at basketball. I mean, obviously he's better than me, but just as someone who watches and, you know, talks about him, he's not at what we need to be. I mean, I'm taking Chios over him 10 out of 10 times right now. 
Yeah, you need good basketball players on your roster, and unfortunately, Theo Pinson isn't a good NBA basketball player. You know, in in other settings, you know, I'm still following Isaiah Whitehead on Twitter. I'm, I'm making sure mm-hmm. that I know what, what's going on with him in in international leagues because you know I, I think Theo Pinson is always going to be quote unquote a Brooklyn net because he's he's a, he's a heart and soul sort of guy that just mm-hmm. represents uh, a lot of what the the Brooklyn Nets are about, but. Chris Chiosa in his limited time, you know, that highlight, you know, if you can make Kevin Durant give a stank face, you know, you've got some talent. Yeah, and if the Nets end up trading Spencer, as there's been a lot of talk about that, are you comfortable with him being the backup point guard next season based on what you've seen in the last two weeks of basketball? I think you'd be yeah. okay with it because the fact is you'd have some other star staggered with him because if they do trade Spencer or somebody, they're most likely either A, keeping Karras or B, bringing in a third megastar being like Bradley Beal. And if you have, you know, Kyrie, KD, and Bradley Beal, you're obviously going to stagger the minutes. So always one of those guys is on the floor. And I think even if the Nets had a big three of, you know, Karis, Kyrie, and KD, I think it would be the same mindset. Hey, let me try to keep at least one of these great offensive players on the floor at all times. So I think you'd be okay with Chris Gioza. I don't know it would be ideal. I think ideally you'd want him to be your third point guard and you might be feel a little bit more confident bringing like a veteran on a vet minimum to be your backup point guard if you're making a championship mm-hmm. run. But I think Chioza has a spot on this team moving forward, probably being the third guard to yep. being the backup point guard's kind of best case scenario or worst case scenario, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm okay with it if it's short-term or potentially even, like, if he's getting limited minutes in the rotation, I'm fine with that. Because, I mean, as I mean as you mentioned, he had that highlight play. But even more than that, I mean, he did so much in the Boston game to enter. He, it felt like he was – him and Karis LeVert, it felt like they were the soul of that comeback. I mean, just from what we see, like, from him, I've been very comfortable with him on this team moving forward as a role player. As the first quarter closes, Nets are down by six, twenty-seven, thirty-two. They were down by about you know ten or so at, at certain points. So, again, the bench unit. Uh, I've liked the, the the bench unit of late in terms of how what they provided for the team and you know the chemistry. And Jared Allen coming off the bench has been you know okay enough. But I think guys like Chris Gioza have certainly given the team life in a lot of ways. I'm pretty mm-hmm. confident in Chris Gioza having an NBA career. And I just think like his basketball IQ really pops right off the bat and just like he sees the plays and he has great awareness about who he is as a player and like what he needs to do to maintain his role in the NBA. And even if he's like a Quinn Cook, I mean, Quinn Cook is still an NBA champion. I mean, Quinn Cook was a role player for that Warriors team that won the championship. I mean, I'm fine with him being that for us. Yeah. Here's a question for, here's a question for you, lad. Sorry to cut off the sort of chatter. Kevin Durant. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, we'll get we'll give Chioza plenty of love. We've got plenty of uh, rewatch podcasts to come. But Kevin Durant, we need to chat about the big boys. What do you guys think of his, What do you think of his look? His game day look, where he's got the the nice black suit jacket with the nice black tee. Simple, elegant. What are you thinking about it? I think it's Brooklyn. I mean, that's what they want this team to. Yeah. I mean, getting a little a little deep here, but that's what they want this team to be. I mean, they want it. To be, you know, that, you know, very modern, simplistic look, you know, the black, you know, black and white is what they want this team to be. I mean, obviously the third uniform has the Gucci logo, but um, no, I mean, I I love it. I think it's very, very Kevin Durant, very Brooklyn, uh, if I may put it. I think that I saw a quote that said KD was going to wear the same outfit every day of the year. It was a black tee and a black blazer every single game. So I'm down for it. I think it's like a classic, like, look and like 
the fact that he's KD, he doesn't need to do anything crazy to get attention on the bench. Like we all know mm-hmm. when KD is on the bench, he could be wearing yes. a complete, he could wear the same outfit every single day, which he pretty much does in terms he of, has. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's KD. He doesn't need the extra pop. You know, maybe if you were, you know, a top 30 player in the league or a top 40 player, you're trying to get some extra hype on your Call team. Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma. I mean, nah, don't put him in the top forty. He's not yeah. even in the top hundred. <laughs> I mean, even to the extent like a guy like D'Angelo Russell, we all love him, but he's going to have right. a little bit more pop on the bench, so he gets a little best bit more best on the NBA. Debatable best on the NBA, D'Lo. <laughs> he is a he's, he's got a natural swag. Yeah, he's got swag for days, and mm-hmm. you know. What's actually an interesting wrinkle? Um, and, and we're clearly going down this path because, you know, two-hour game where we're going to be talking about absolutely anything and everything. Dino used to date Kendall Jenner, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, he I mean, everyone time. has. <laughs> and now Devin Booker is. And Devin Booker is his boy. So is that not a little bit weird when you're like, you know, you, it's, hey man, you know they're Devin girls. Booker's like a bro code, isn't he? No, I mean, it's Eskimo girls. That's the thing. <laughs> I think it's a, it just depends of maybe I don't know if Dilo's relationship was that serious with her, but I, I feel like if it was, then maybe he wouldn't have because they're good friends. But I feel like the fact that they're already dating and she's also dated like ten other NBA players since they probably dated. So maybe... Ben Simmons, I'm pretty sure Tristan Thompson's in there. There's a lot of them. Yep, yep, yep. Um, look, I'm uh, I'm looking into it deeply. You know, I, I'm a I'm a big believer in bro code in, in general. You know, I think Devin Booker and D'Lo are boys, and you know they've we've talked about their off-season travels. You know they headed to Greece. You know I think it was last year. Looked like a lot of fun. Uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the, the, the bromance is strong just in terms of off-season TMZ watch by uh, Jack Manuel here. You know I might have to do an OnlyFans in terms of an, <laughs> uh, a, a Patreon sort of thing for you know just Kendall watch with, with my boy D'Lo because uh, you know, you know I'm a D'Lo stand. I've still got that D'Lo chat. I swear, if you made a Kendall watch, like, uh, whatever, like, whatever account, I don't know what degree you're trying to make it here, people would probably subscribe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got time in quarantine, but I'm, you know, I'm doing six podcasts a week as well. So uh, maybe not. Now, maybe not. Are you still going to be a Joe Harris stan if he leaves the Nets this offseason? Oh, God, yes. You know, I think that. <laughs> You know, love isn't isn't fickle. Love isn't situational. Well, you know, I, I think that as as a man who it's unconditional you know, has an love. intent, it's <laughs> unconditional. You know, love is unconditional. Doesn't matter where you are. You maintain a basketball okay. ability. You maintain a beard. Uh, then I'm giving you love, Joe Harris. Now let's say he he goes to the Knicks and he shaves his beard. Still love him. Oh. Oh. <laughs> All right, well, I, I don't deal with uh, no comment. I, I played the fit. I played the fit. Because I record. saw a photo of him recently that he uh, he trimmed the beard. I don't know if he completely got rid of it. But yeah, I did trimming, see it is, recent... trimming is fine. Trimming is fine. We need to maintain cleanliness. We need to maintain a semblance of normality in quarantine. <laughs> Let the man trim. Let the man trim. Trimming is good. <laughs> All right. We got Chris. What about you, Nick? What about if Carol Silvert were to go to New Orleans or Denver? Uh, I would still be a Carol Silvert fan, yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, if any, I'm still a D'Angelo Russell fan, Jared Dudley, Ed Davis, all those guys. If any of them were to leave the team, like even Chioza at this point, I'm still going to be a fan. The only team that would maybe disinterest me would be the Knicks. Maybe even the Celtics do. But, yeah. yeah. But if it were, if he was on the Knicks and they were coached by Kenny Atkinson, what about that? Oh, don't do that, Jack. Don't do that. <laughs> and that would just be so weird. <laughs> Let's just let Kenny go to the Bulls and do 
do his thing with Kobe White. Let's just not let's not sure. talk about him going to the Knicks. <laughs> I mean, from the uh, he, Knicks perspective, it makes a ton of sense. It does, so, so especially if they draft someone like Lamella Ball or RJ Hampton, it makes a lot of sense for them. Yeah, it makes too much sense, which is why the Knicks won't do it. Yeah, exactly. Don't jinx. Leon Rose is going to go <laughs> trade for Chris Paul and then get uh, Jeff Van Gundy to be their head coach or Mark Jackson. You know who I actually, I actually it's a weird thing to say, but if if the the Nets are all in just for like maybe next year, Chris Paul makes a lot of sense. Uh, if, if, he, if we see if we I'm see the version, I'm not the biggest fan of Chris Paul and Kyrie in the same lineup. I, I don't know. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, and if we did that, we'd have to end up trading Spencer in that trade too. I don't. I'm not. I don't know if I'm the biggest fan of that. I think Nick, what, what concerns me more is just the long term of the contract. Like, even though it's mm-hmm. all year, it's like that's still what forty million dollars. Yeah, he's making at least forty. And oh, it's shit. like CP three is very, very good. And I think in like uh, yes. vacuum, it makes kind of sense. But I just I'm a little concerned with the backcourt. It's like, who do you ask? Let's just hypothetically say they match up with like a very good two guard that has size in the finals or something. Just let's, let's, for I don't think it's going to happen. But let's say it's James Harden in Houston, like. Is Kyrie or CP3 really able to defend him? I mean, CP3 would have to be the one to defend him because he's the better defender. But I, I still, I yeah. think they're both too small to guard James Harden at, at this point, especially Chris Paul with his age. I mean, if this was a prime Hornets early Clippers Chris Paul, maybe I'm more comfortable with it. But no, not at like a 36, 37 year old Chris Paul. Definitely not. Who yeah, be- I mean, I, I guess I'm just a bit higher on him just because. I don't know. I think that what he proved this season, maybe it's situational as well. You know, and I think because Kyrie's shown that he doesn't have to be a lead ball handler, and if anything, I think he probably we could even get more out of him. And you know, not to say that he wasn't great this season. You know, if you are looking for a bit more in depth info about that, we did smash a one hour, ten minute podcast on his season and his twenty games. But yeah, I'm, maybe I'm just uh, I'm an optimist when it comes to certain things, and uh, I'm Chris Paul, an optimist, I guess. I like from a talent perspective and the skill set, it makes sense. I just think defensively, the fit and the size is a little bit concerning. Just like mm-hmm. you'd have to surround them with other very, very good defenders. And then it becomes like, all right, you have to make other moves and like who else can you get in here? How many assets are you giving up for Chris Paul? And I think it, to be honest, it's a little complicated trading with Chris Paul in that contract because the amount of players you would have to use to get up to that number. Here, I'm going to look up Chris Paul's contract right now. It's a it's a large number, but yeah, I, I think in Nick, you were going to bring up something, I guess, uh, about other trades in general. I'm I'm assuming because you know this is Nets Twitter live. So we have we just have that kind of chemistry, Jack. You already knew what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, yeah. Until right. so 2022, he's making 38, 41, and 44. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's a lot of money. I, it's a hefty I wouldn't say. <laughs> it is just a little bit, just a little bit. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From the online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. 
Blue Chew has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They got the same active ingredients that Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them any time of day, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. Now, I was going to ask Will, what would be your top three choices for Nets trade targets? You could have just anybody that reasonably could be on the market. You know, if you so want to Bradley Brad- Beal. Yep. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, Bradley Beal's my number one. I've been a... Big proponent of trading for Bradley Beal ever since, you know, the rumors started. He's easily my number one. I think that he would be an amazing fit at the two or three next to LeVert, KD. I mean, we'd probably have to give up LeVert, but let's say, like, in some dream scenario, we could only give up Spencer, Jared, and picks for him. I mean, that won't happen, but, I mean, if that was possible, I mean, I'd be such a fan of that fit. Um, other than that, Drew Holiday, I mentioned, I think his defense could certainly help out us. Uh, nice block by Karras right there, by the Beautiful way. Beautiful. Um, yeah. Um, but Beal and Holiday are definitely my top two. And then it kind of then it kind of gets interesting. I mean, I know a lot of Nets fans don't like him, and potentially you guys don't like him either. But Laurie Markkinen is someone who has come up in trade talks, and I've always been a big fan of Laurie. Um, and I don't think he would be as expensive as any of the other guys that people are talking about, even Aaron Gordon, because I think his value is just a little bit diminished right now because of the season he had. I, I definitely, I mean, maybe defensively it doesn't make the best sense. He's not the best defender in the world, but I would definitely be a fan of uh, of Lori Markkinen on the Nets next season. So Markkinen over, say, like an Aaron Gordon type? Uh, I mean, Gordon makes a lot of sense, but I mean, I'm also someone who likes – this doesn't make a lot of sense, but I'm someone who likes to think towards the future too, and I think Markman yeah. has a lot more potential than uh, than Aaron Gordon because I think Aaron Gordon's already at the peak of what he's going to be, and I think Markman, he's only in his, what, sophomore or third season? So I think Markman definitely has, has a lot more potential to become something better than what Aaron Gordon is right now. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. Laurie makes sense, a market it makes sense if you're going for that in between where you're not fully exactly committed to the championship team, but you want to get a good player, but then you also want to watch out for the future. I would just be concerned about, like, is he ready to give you, like, elite postseason minutes? And I agree with the fact that I think his ceiling is substantially higher than Aaron Gordon, but I think there's an argument to say that Aaron Gordon's best version of himself would probably be on the Nets in that complementary role next to a Katie and Kyrie. And I think it would bring them closer to a championship, but obviously from a long-term perspective, I think marketing has more value. I am personally, I've like really convinced myself all in Aaron Gordon to the point where I've rewatched a couple of his games from last season. We have to do an Aaron Gordon buzz podcast. Eventually. The only thing that scares me about Aaron Gordon, I don't have basketball reference on me right now, but the only thing that really scares me about him is that three point percentage. And if he's playing a stretch four role in the nets, I I don't know how comfortable I am with him taking five or six threes a game because of that three-point percentage. Yeah, I'd say the three is the biggest concern. I will say Aaron Gordon's a pretty good cutter. Obviously, I think he can improve as a screen setter. I think his transition offense is something that we don't necessarily think about because he's such a great athlete and get going. But my real excitement, and I think I've been convinced kind of talking to some people that – 
I don't know if offense is going to even be much of an issue for the Nets at all, considering they have Kyrie and KD, and they're going to have other good offensive players depending on who they retain. I think defensively is really where I want to see the jump, and I know that Aaron Gordon is capable of defending very good players a la Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, and that doesn't mean lock them down, but he can defend them to an extent where he's making their life difficult, can force a couple turnovers, and can at least give you some versatility defensively. That's why I'm super sold on him right now. Yeah, and he'd definitely be a better defender than whatever Laurie Markkinen could bring in the next two, three years. But again, I just think Markkinen's potential puts him ahead of Gordon for me. There we have the poster. Spencer just put yes, Anthony Davis on a poster. What is life like? <laughs> well, Spencer's playing at home, like you said. I mean, he wants to go off in stables, and he's from L.A., an L.A. kid. I think even Anthony Davis was like, yo, what the f- <laughs> <laughs> You think Anthony Davis is a future net? Because he's my number one. Yeah, I mean, he, he'd be number one if he was available. Obviously, that trade would have to get very tricky with the signing trade stuff. I, but I was talking, I actually did a stream earlier today with Corey and Alec talking about a Bucks lakers game. And it was, like, funny talking about how, like, AD is probably LeBron's best teammate in terms of, like, talent at that time. And you could probably make an argument that AD's game hasn't really been impacted a ton by playing with LeBron. Like, he's still as great as he can be. And you can maybe argue he's even better having LeBron there. For sure. I mean, I think Anthony Davis, I mean, he is probably the best center in the NBA if you consider him a center, in my opinion. Um, I think that he definitely benefits from LeBron's transitioning more to a point guard role than the small forward role like we've seen in the past. Because LeBron doesn't have, you know, Kyrie Irving, Dwayne Wade anymore. Um I, I think Anthony Davis definitely benefits from LeBron kind of transitioning more into looking for Anthony Davis. And it's not to take anything away from LeBron. LeBron's still putting up, what, 26, 27 points a game. I just think that LeBron is just adjusted more to playing with Anthony Davis too. Yeah, and I think they're just their skill sets like match up in the sense where he can run, pick, and roll with Anthony Davis, and that gets the best version of LeBron and it gets the best version of Anthony Davis type of thing where guys don't really have to give up a ton, especially because you know, there's two of the two stars on the team. And shout-out Spencer. He had that nice runner on the previous offensive possession, getting some deflections here. He's balling out. Mm-hmm. Of course, Danny Green hit that. Yeah, Wilson Chandler can't make this pass, though. This has got to be a pass. Oh, yeah, I mean, those are like the small mistakes that definitely need to be cleaned up when we're championship contenders, which I mean, I'm sure they'll, they'll come. I mean, every team is going to make stupid mistakes like that. You know, everyone gets on Shaq and the Fool eventually, but definitely there's some small mistakes like that that you need to clean up. Oh, my God. Yep, Spencer's that, still That didn't count, in. though. Yeah, you still hit that. Didn't count, but that would have been... That would have been a top 10 play for sure. Jack, who are your top three trade choices? Did we lose him? Will, you're still here, right? I'm still here, yeah. Just maybe Jack's in the the bathroom or something. I mean, it is a two-hour show. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt here. (laughs) For sure. Spencer, his free throw shooting. I mean, it wasn't the best this year, but... um... Definitely, definitely improved down the stretch a little bit. It's funny, it's like it seems so bad, but then when you look at the stats, you're like, ah, it's actually not really that bad. I don't know why it seems. So it's just terrible. in the moment, it feels like he always goes one of two. But I mean, when you look at it, he's ended up at what, like eighty percent, seventy nine percent at the end of the season. Yeah, I think he's high seventies. So it's just like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's always shooting a lot of free throws. I mean, I think that if he was, you know, a bigger name, he'd be getting a lot more calls. But he's definitely someone who his game plays to get into the line a lot. And 
I mean, if you sh- the more free throws you shoot, the more you're going to miss. So, I mean, obviously that hurts him, but he's he's not as bad as some people make it out to be. And when it comes to free throws, one hundred percent, I would make an argument that like Spencer's like game can depend on the officiating crew because, like you said, he's not a star. It always so does. He doesn't necessarily get the calls, but certain crews are going to give you more calls than maybe other ones would give you. No, for sure. I mean, he's not James Harden who's shooting uh, like double digit free throws a game, but he certainly does. I mean, he's always complaining to the refs because he goes like, I should have gotten on that call. And a lot of times he's right. And yeah. we saw Kenny use the challenge on him a lot this season and a lot of times was successful. But um, definitely if he was a bigger name, I feel like he'd not have to complain so much, even though he's one one of the top complainers in the NBA when it comes to talking to the refs. I think it doesn't help too that he um, has like such animated responses. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not even like he just complains. Like he always has some face. Like it's the craziest thing that ever happened. But Will, getting back to like a little bit of the trade talk. So are you completely sold on getting the third star over getting maybe supercharged role players, or you're kind of indifferent? I'm not convinced that just Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving can contend. Like, I'm not super sold on 30, how old is going to be, 32-year-old Kevin Durant coming off a torn Achilles defending Giannis in a playoff series. I'm not super sold on that. So in one sense, I would like to get potentially help at the four defensively like Aaron Gordon. But in another sense, I am comfortable with guys like Harris Silver and Spencer Dinley developing even more from what they are right now. I mean, I feel like if Spencer... Can, I mean, not Spencer Karras, can continue what he did in the last 15 games of the season or so, you know, going from the Boston game until now. I and mean, he was definitely one of the better players in the NBA during that stretch. I'm comfortable with him being the third star in this team, but also he goes on stretches where he's just so awful and has to be removed from the starting lineup. He's just, his consistency isn't there yet for me, so I'm not super sold, and I feel like he would be better developing somewhere where it's, you know, a team's not competing for a championship like New Orleans or like Washington. So, I mean, I'm I'm torn. If I had to choose right now, I would say go for the third star, like Bradley Beal, like Drew Holiday, if you do consider them stars. I mean, Bradley Beal is Drew Holiday. It's up and down. Like, Drew Holiday would cost less. He would probably not. I think Bradley Beal would cost both Spencer and Karras. Yeah. But, um, you know, Drew Holiday you could probably get for only one of them. And then you'd still have, let's say you give up Karras for Drew Holiday. You still have Spencer coming off the bench. And I think that's a very, very solid team. Yeah, I think that's I think that's where you're you're trying to ba- find the balance. Where it's like, if you do get Bradley Beal, you're giving up Spencer and Karras. But you're pretty much locking yourself into being a true contender with the possibility. Obviously, injury's always there. But most of the time, when you have three top 25 players, you're pretty much a lock to at least go to the finals. And with Drew Holiday, like you mentioned, you might be able to get him without giving away, you know, Karras. I mean, without giving away Spencer. And then all of a sudden you have two All-Stars. Well, actually, like two two of the top offensive players. Well, Drew Holiday league. is only a one-time All-Star. Yeah, I was going to say. And then you have a fringe All-Star in Drew and then probably another fringe All-Star in Spencer. So I think that's like something where you're looking at it where it's like, also, how much do you have to give up for Drew? Do you feel like the upgrade over Karis Avert is worth whatever extra you're giving up? So it's just like so many different factors. My like train of thought has always kind of been like Sean Marks is going to have multiple options on the table. It's just kind of about choosing the right one where he feels like he's getting the best value and the best fit. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, as Nets fans, we always have to trust Sean Marks. I mean, just what he's done with this organization over the past five seasons has been like no other. I mean, just turning around so 
but whatever he decides is the best fit for us, I will trust him. Even if it, you know, turns into trading Karras and Spencer, I do trust Sean Mark's vision for this team because I think he knows what's best for us. Yeah, I think you have to. And the- Welcome back, back, Jack. I don't know what the heck was going on there. Anyway, um, the person <laughs> who I love to hate the most, Corey, jumped into the Periscope and... And he called us tremendous. Thank you, Corey. You are also tremendous in some ways. Uh, and <laughs> another question he had was, would we want Victor Oladipo? I mean, we sort of mildly chatted about it to an extent. Without Miles Turner, you were just talking Vic here. You're giving up Karras or Spencer and or where are we going with that one, lads? So one of the trades I saw on that's Twitter was Brooklyn receives Oladipo and Miles Turner. Indiana gets Levert, Allen, Prince. First round pick from Philly and two second round picks. What do you guys think about that trade? I think, I'm, I'm all in on that. Yeah, I think the fair. Pacers yeah. would probably say no, to be honest. They would uh, definitely say no, yeah. <laughs> but let's just say it's just Victor Oladipo. Like, get rid of Miles Turner, but let's just say we're just getting Oladipo. We have to give up Levert and some other pieces to get Oladipo. Are you comfortable with Oladipo? I feel like <sighs> I need to see more of Oladipo. I, I just like don't know who he is after the injury, and obviously I want to wish the mm-hmm. best for him and to get healthy, but I would say based off the sample size I saw this season, there's definitely some question of the explosion. Then it also gets to the point, how much else are you giving up in the trade? Is he that much better than Karis LeVert as is? And then let's say you have to give up a first-round pick and another player or something. Is it helping your team and pushing to that next level? I think that's like my concern with Oladipo. If let's say the season was to come back in August, Oladipo averages 24 points. He's back to playing a high level of defense. Yeah, give me Oladipo. But right now, I think it's just such an unknown of like what level of player he is because of the injury, and it's a really serious injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and- think that in terms of just Victor Oladipo, I don't see the gap of. If we are getting, let, let's just go all hypotheticals about it because you know it's, <laughs> I love it. it's, hypothetical, it's hypothetical land these days uh, when it comes to self isolation life. If we get the version of Victor Oladipo that was all NBA, all star, one of the top twenty players in the league, then I am all in on that because he is right. a tremendous force, and I think he could be a lead ball handler and an all defensive player, a caliber player, uh, and I think that you know you've got three stars, even if you know. It doesn't fit ultimately stylistically as better as a Bradley Beal or as better as as good as a Drew Holiday or whatever. But you've got talent, you make it work. But in a realistic world, the more realistic world says to me that I don't think Victor Oladipo is going to get that in time for the Nets to win a championship. You know, I think that there could be some deconditioning issues for him uh, thanks to the quarantine. You know, I think that he, he like a lot, and, and that applies as well to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. When it comes to guys that haven't been able to play basketball, haven't been able to go to NBA facilities, haven't been able to see the trainers, then they have lost their legs to an extent, quote unquote. They're limited. So I'm not, it's, it's, that's exactly right. So for me, I'm all in, uh, you know, Corey brought up, you know, wouldn't we rather just trade for Miles Turner? Possibly. Yes. I think Miles Turner is a more valuable asset. I agree, Will. Yeah. I mean, I brought and, it up before. That's a guy that I've been kind of like salivating over and just like thinking about. Maybe he's going to be my next stand that I like watch games of him that he doesn't even have on go. the nets. But I think like stylistically his fit is just ideal because it's a center. Hey, I can set really good picks. I'm also one of the most switchy centers in the league defensively. Oh, yeah. I'm a great rim protector as well. And oh, let me just toss in the fact that I can shoot threes. Not bad. Yeah. And going back to Oladipo for a second, I think the 
one of the bigger concerns for me. Um, next year's the last year of his contract, and he's an yeah. unrestricted free agent. Are we what? really okay with trading Karis LeVert, who we have for the next three years? Just, I mean, even straight up for Victor Oladipo, if Karis LeVert continues to progress and if Victor Oladipo isn't the same player he was after the injury, are we really okay trading potentially just for one year of um, you know, post-injury Victor Oladipo at $21 million? I'm not sure. I'm 100% sold on just Victor Oladipo like that. And then the contract becomes a concern because if you trade for him, you better retain him. And then yes. you're just going to have to give him whatever price he wants. Even if he is no longer a max player, you're probably still giving him the max. Yeah, I think yeah. that Corey put that on Twitter as well in a poll. Like, is Victor Oladipo a max player? You know, most people did say no, but will he get a max? Probably. Probably. It's like, you know, it's like Damien. It's any. It's just the way that the, the contract and salary cap system is. You have to pay for it. You know, John Wall isn't a max player, but he deserved to get one. You know, Damien Lillard isn't going to be deserving of, of $49 million when he's, you know, in his mid-30s. But that's just the way the cap works. That's the way the system works in terms of how you play all NBA appearances, all-star appearances, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I, I think that. All it uh, again, Miles Turner. Like you, you've sold me, Nick. Maybe I might have to. We'll, we'll do some Miles Turner rewatches, <laughs> maybe, and uh, we'll get this Twitter involved. Honestly, I really like his game, and I think he's already. I mean, I know he's not super happy about his role in Indiana because he's like more of a complimentary piece. He's not getting as many touches, and I know Corey's mentioned to me that he's not really playing setter offensively. He's more playing a stretch four. So he actually could be happier with the Nets. They might give him some more inside touches. But at the end of the day, if you're winning a championship, I think you're more accepting of any role you have. And let's just say, theoretically, we do trade just Miles Turner, not Oladipo, but just trade for Miles Turner. Are you comfortable playing him at the four next to DeAndre Jordan? Not a big fan of that. I, I no. mean, I'm just not a big fan of two bigs in general. That's just mm-hmm. not my mind of thinking in this current model. So you would NBA. put KD at the four, potentially? Yeah, I think I'd put KD at the four, maybe make a trade. I think the best idea here is kind of what Jack hinted at with the Aaron Gordon thing. Not saying specifically Aaron Gordon, but getting another switchy 3-4, where KD in that 3-4 can just switch depending on who the matchup is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, all right, this guy yes. can defend fours, he can also defend threes. Uh, I'm going to challenge your standum, uh, Nicholas Faye. Aaron Gordon or Miles Turner? What's uh, Where does the standard allegiance lie? Miles Turner. Okay, <laughs> wow. Um, wow, that was quick. The I Aaron Gordon stand, 9 out of 10. See you later. It's more like a 0 out of 10. <laughs> it's Miles Turner. Not to mention 10. Turner's on a cheaper contract, too. And I just love Turner's fit. I mean, I'm a big fan of centers that can shoot threes. I think, like, you literally can have a five-out offense with Miles Turner. Like, I don't think people understand how incredibly difficult that would be to defend with with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, not to mention, like, if you had Karis LeVert or Spencer Dinwiddie there, too. The hypothetical trade I threw at Jack before we started was Torian Prince, Jared Allen, maybe another salary filler, and a first-round pick for Miles Turner. I'm doing that. Yeah, give it to me. Polling it up for you, Nicholas, and I'll, I mean, on a, on the next, maybe, well, I think it's a, certainly an issue we can certainly revisit uh, on a podcast and certainly discuss, and maybe by the next podcast, Nick's idea could have changed. Maybe Aaron Gordon drops another fire track, you know, saying that the KD and Kyrie, maybe he's dropping dimes more than Drake is on his new mixtape. I mean, that was the cringiest mixtape I've ever heard. <laughs> it was awful. Uh, I respect it. You know, you know, you, people are bored. Yeah. Well, what what else are we doing? Let's drop some. He know, was I'm ripped drop... off of a slam dunk chip. He so. was he definitely big was. Should have won. Yeah, big but time. I mean, I mean, I'd drop. 
Yeah, I'll drop a bloody mixtape in this quarantine right now. <laughs> Let's hear it, Jack. Some, I'll drop some fire. Kading, Kyrie, they're just making me sweat because <laughs> I want to back on this team that is the Nets. Yeah, all right, let's just drop my bars. Let's uh, give no, it to me. Jack, I, I challenge you to do a love song for Joe Harris. Oh, I'll get it. No, I'll, that's when, when we get, that's why we're signing Victor Oladipo because he has a sweet, sexy, sultry R&B tunes. Corey has told me to get on that album. I've listened to a few of them. It is a sexy, sexy tracks on it. I might have to listen to some of that and get some inspiration and do a Joe Harris tribute album. Who's better, him or Dame? Oh, Dame in a heart. Dame is like a legitimately good rapper. Like he's better than yes, like a, a lot of rappers that are currently like popular in terms of, you know, I know a lot of people were giving Playboy Cardi a bit of heat for his verse for, on the he's new track. Um, I'm not really the new school. I mean, let's let's. I'm 29 years old, so let, let's let's show my age here. You know, <laughs> I'm a big Travis Scott fan. I, I, I'm, I'm a big <laughs> fan. He, he sort of ushered in the sort of mumble rap era so to speak but you know i i, I like me a bit of uzi as well um you know I, i'm man i'm sounding goddamn white as uh, hearing this from an australian <laughs> hearing this from an australian accent just doesn't fit right now i want to stop speaking about american rap and i'll stick to speaking about uh, my infatuation and love for the bearded shooter and we got obj in the stands so there's another he's a sick uh, <laughs> dude I feel like OBJ's perception would be so much better if he was an NBA player instead of a football player. Definitely. Big time. Big there's time. no there's no NFL stars who are like LeBron James level. I mean Tom Brady is not what LeBron James is. As cool I mean, as big as Tom Brady is, just when it comes to, you know, pop culture, he's nowhere near what LeBron James or Kyrie Irving or Damian Lillard is. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think it's just easy. It's just like the NBA is more accepting and they're more about players being their own brands and showcasing their personality where the NFL really, you know, not to make this a podcast about sports, it just like cares more about just the product on the field and like, hey, we're going to pay you and we just want you to kind of shut up and keep your views to yourself. And it's also crazy that NFL players make way less than NBA players. And there's a lot higher probability you'll die playing that sport. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's great, especially because there's so much money in the NFL. I mean, I'm not trying to make this an NFL podcast, but if I can for a second just say that NFL players in general are incredibly underpaid. Like DeAndre Jordan, you know, in a per salary, in a per year salary, I mean, he'd be one of the highest players in the NFL. That's just crazy. Yeah. He wasn't even guaranteed to be a starter this year. And if you're, like, making good money in the NFL, you're at least a pro bowler or, like, your top five, top ten at your position. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one of the, I think, the highest paid player at all time. He's only making $22 million a year. But they also have different signing bonuses and stuff that kind yeah. of, like, make it get up to a higher value. But also, yeah. we got to give a shout-out to the Nets. Keeping this game close, 64-65. Like, mm-hmm. Even thinking about this game going in, I was, like, super concerned about, like, I even though that Jock Vaughn made the change for DeAndre and then Wilson Chandler was a previous change from uh, Kenny Atkinson, like, how would they defend A.D. LeBron and, uh, like, a JaVale McGee? But it's funny. It looks like that the Lakers ended up having to react to the Nets and going a little bit smaller and playing A.D. at as, center. As A.D. just nails a triple. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's not the best at closing out. I mean, even if Anthony Davis isn't the best three point shooter in the world, he has earned enough respect to like say you need to close out on him on the perimeter. Yeah, I think DJ's closing out abilities are lackluster to say the least. I've liked actually Wilson Chandler's defense this sort of first half. Oh, Spencer! Another highlight play for Spence. 
That is a three. That was a big uh, three, too. Massive, massive three. I've liked Wilson Chandler's defense on LeBron, and I think that physicality is what you need to guard LeBron James because he, despite the fact that he has lost athleticism, he is aging, blah, 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 he's still in the 99th percentile of athlete in the NBA. Yeah, and I'll make yeah. a point about that in a second, but your boy Joe Harris just threw a beautiful Ooh, pass to my guy, Karis LeVert, so I had to point that out. But I that 100% agree. I mean, we'll see a showcase of that, and no disrespect to my guy Karis, but he just doesn't have the muscle or the girth to deal with LeBron, as we'll see in the final possession of this game, where Wilson Chandler's not really going to get moved by many other small forwards and power forwards just because he's a big dude and he's a vet. He's not going to take shit. Now, speaking yeah, of Wilson – oh, it's gone, Jack. I was just going to say, Will, in, in that sort of sense – you know, you can look to sort of like Richard Jefferson as a type in Cleveland where you don't you just chuck him out there for possessions as to play some decent defense, maybe hit a three here or there, and it could provide some value to your team. I don't mind about yeah. next year's roster. Yeah, yeah that's no, what I was gonna ask. I mean, you know, he's only on a one year deal. Do you think he's gonna come back? Do you think who has a better chance, him or Temple coming back? Temple has a player option, doesn't he? Or is it a team option? I can't recall. I'm gonna have to check it real quick. I think the only thing that helps yeah. that helps uh, Temple is the word is that Kyrie helped recruit him to Brooklyn. Yeah. That was a guy that Kyrie wanted. Personally, in my opinion, I think I'd rather have Wilson Chandler and the skill set he has because I just think there's limited minutes at guard. Like if you do, let's say, have Kyrie, Spencer, and Karras, and Joe Harris, all your guard minutes are essentially taken up. And then next thing, next thing that makes you do is play somebody out of position where you can play Wilson Chandler at the four or at the three and you feel fine, fine with that. I don't feel great about playing Garrett Temple at the three. Yeah, and more about Wilson Chandler. I mean, even though he's not a superstar player who won't really win you that many games, if he wasn't suspended for the first 25 games of the season, I think the Nets record looks a lot different right now. I mean, there were a lot of close games early on that the Nets just couldn't close out. Um, And I think that if we had someone like him, I think it would have been a little different for us. I think he could have definitely helped you get a couple more wins just with the veteran presence and just kind of understanding how to play. And I think he also has, it seems like, a better idea of how to be a complimentary guy. And I think, like, just talking with, you know, Seth Part now and, like, different guys we've had on the outlet, it just feels like in doing so many of the rewatches of great teams from, like, the Miami teams, the San Antonio teams, like, guys that are able to play a complimentary role are hard to find because – so many players aren't willing to sacrifice and do what the team needs to win a championship. They're worried about getting their own. And Chandler seems like a guy at this point in his career that's more than happy just kind of doing the dirty work. Yeah, true. I think that those pieces, you know, it takes a, a team to win a championship. You know, organizations win championships, not players. Not just players, as uh, Mr. Jerry Krause said. Um, obviously, yeah, I, I think... We've said that this offseason, for sure, Marks, is as important as, as the last offseason. Obviously, you know, the, a big tick for getting the two superstars. You know, that's that was the ultimate goal. That was the dream. But now, how do you build around those guys? You know, we've seen a glimpse of some pieces on this roster right now. We've we've seen the 13 other guys. What of those 13 other guys can play next to Kyrie and KD? At the, old, at the end of the day, just because Kyrie didn't say some certain names doesn't mean that Joe Harris isn't going to be on that team. I God hope not. Um, but in general, in terms of the offseason, you know, obviously the salary cap issues and that, that, that could um, prove fruitful maybe for a team like the Nets because guys might just take one-year vet minimum deals. They might just opt into you know, team options and, and, and that sort of stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see. I feel like the Nets are going to get lucky. I th- really do. I feel like really? they're going to get some vet minimum guys that are like way better 
than what their contract says, or they're going to get guys, and even that taxpayer M, uh, mid-level exception, where if it was a different scenario where the mm-hmm. cap was there, they wouldn't be able to get these players. But like Jack mentioned, if it's for a one-year thing, and it's also the fact that so many teams are loading up their cap for 2021 because of the big free agent class. Right. So there's just so much limited cap space, and it becomes a decision for players. Do I prefer to have that extra one or two million dollars or a chance to win a championship and then I can go cash out my money next year? And it doesn't help your free agency case on your next contract to say that you're an NBA champion. Yeah, and I think the name that Nets Twitter has thrown around all season. Yep, Serge Ibaka is the name that everyone has been talking about. I mean, he would be uh, I would I would start I'd I'd feel comfortable starting him. Um, I think that he's just built for this team defensively. He's exactly what we need. He's that tall guy who could play next to KD, who I'm just super comfortable sitting down there in the paint, just getting blocks, playing good defense, switching. I mean, he's an NBA champion. He won with the Raptors last season. I mean, I think he's just one of the perfect guys that we could definitely add. And I mean, I know that he has a pretty good relationship, I think, with KD. So I think that could certainly help too. I would absolutely love it. And I mean, I don't even think you, I don't think you have to start him. You definitely could, but I would love closing with him. I just think he's like an mm-hmm. ideal closing five. And I mean, like another name, we mentioned it, and I'm not saying this would happen, but this would be a guy that I could see taking a cheap deal and signing to be a backup center if we were to trade Jared Allen. It would be a guy like Marcus Soule. Like, I feel like he won one championship. Going for another championship makes sense for him, and he has a great complementary skill set. Obviously, he's going to play low minutes as a backup, but it's still not a bad name to have. It kind of reminds you of a like a better version of what Andrew Bogut was for the Warriors. Yeah, and obviously Serge has the established relationship with KD and in uh, in OKC that they you know they they were on the verge of a championship over there. So maybe, uh, but I, I think I'm less optimistic about it because of what Serge has said on like you know some of his IG lives and stuff that he is a big fan of Toronto. I think he's um, he's exploring well, so his art- that, that too that too. Um, he's exploring his artistic side. You know, I'm not sure he would get Brooklyn's the chance to wear as to many. That. Yeah, but would he get the chance to wear as many scarves in Brooklyn? Do we know that? That's a that's a very important. Yes. <laughs> it gets cold in the winter. Ah, but it's not Toronto. I mean, I, I've been to both places, and I've been to Toronto in like autumn, and it was goddamn freezing. I feel You're like only I home for half the season, anyway. Uh, yeah, well, well, mate, um, you make the you you give Serge Barker's agent a call because uh, I'm certainly prefer to be living in Brooklyn and winning a chip with. The, uh, Katie and Kyrie then you know, continuing to wear scarves and argue about them with OG Ananobi. <laughs> and as good as Siakam is, I don't think Toronto is going to win a championship in the next two or three seasons unless they somehow pull off a, another trade for a superstar, which I don't think they're going to do. It'll be interesting what Toronto does, and I think that's like two freedoms we've mentioned, Serge and Marcus Sol, about like what kind of happens with them because of the fact, like, does Toronto sign this like the entire free agent class just sign a one year deal and they're like, hey, we'll just run it back, and then in twenty twenty one. We're going to kind of go for Giannis or whatever, or do they just not retain any of the guys and just add different pieces? Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating one. I think that that's good. I've, I wonder if I actually still have my list of names because I think we chatted about it on a previous buzz in with terms Matt. of just diff- – Yeah, with Matt. And the names that I brought up there were like, you know, in terms of guys that would just sort of fit with that mid-level sort of range, and I'll, I'll throw them out there again for the sake of it. You know, mid-level guys are Barker, Millsap, 
I don't think Gallinari is going to take it. Maybe a Tristan Thompson, Derek Favors, the Morris brothers, Aaron Baines. Um, I mean, the Aaron Baines hive is more than welcome to join the Brooklyn Buzz. We uh, will welcome you with the most open of arms. <laughs> Nick has been mean to uh, to your boy in the past, but as an Australian, <laughs> there is no person who is more welcome on this Brooklyn Nets team than the man uh, with the top knot uh, and ah, the yeah. lack of hair uh, outside of that. He is an absolute bull. And uh, Aaron Baines to Brooklyn, Baines to BK. He's the, the only way here. The only way I feel comfortable with Aaron Baines is if he chopped off that man bun. I'm sorry. I, I can't watch that for 82 games. Yeah, it's uh, he looks like a trash bag. Uh, it's not right <laughs> well. <laughs> well, so much for that case. <laughs> but, uh, I think another interesting cheap player that has just like caught my eyes, like a bench piece or something, would be like Mo Harkless. Interesting. Just like a 3-4 yep. tweener you can bring off the bench, can defend a little bit. I think he played solid mm-hmm. enough minutes for the Clippers for what you need. I don't think he's going to be a guy you depend on. But at this point, you have really the key cogs. You're looking for more of the complementary guys, especially if you don't go the trade route. I think the Nets Twitter hive would be all in on Heartless, and there would be a lot of memes with like Kanye West Heartless and <laughs> the Weekend Heartless sort of songs. I think that he could turn into a, a somewhat of a, a David Nwaba type, Joe Dudley type. I think he would get a, a cult following. I think Marvin Williams is a similar yep. sort of guy as well. Um, I think, you know, he's been, mm-hmm. there's times where we, I think maybe we've just linked him to the Nets because we wanted to. But I think. Uh, he was there linked to the Nets uh, before he signed and... his last contract with Charlotte. He was on the verge of signing with the Nets, but I think Charlotte ended up extra money or something like that. Yeah, I think that the Nets could do worse than a lot of these guys, and I, I, I sincerely hope that we get one or two of these names. Uh, if we don't get you know, uh, that third star uh, that we sort of chatted about earlier uh, in the broadcast, then I think that we could do worse than add a Aaron Baines, add a Serge Ibaka, add a Mo Harkless, these sort of guys that fill out the roster and can play key minutes uh, when it comes down to the pointy part of the season. I, I'm not fully sold that the Nets need a third star to be a championship contender. Mm-hmm. I think there's other avenues for them to get there, if that means trading for a very good starter or if that means you know supplementing your bench to fill the needs that you have or maybe getting that one starter in free agency. I think it's open. It also, like we kind of mentioned on the last outlet, Jack, and Seth said, like, at the end of the day, what's going to determine if the Nets are a championship team is, is Kevin Durant still, you know, a top seven player. Right. True. One of the, uh, one of the names I want to go back to that you mentioned was uh, David Nwaba. And if he's healthy, do you want to see him back in Brooklyn? Because I certainly do. I love what I saw from Nwaba. Like, it, towards the end of his play with Brooklyn until he got hurt, I really was liking what I was seeing from him. Yeah, I mean, I it's saw- tough to say with the Achilles. Right. I had someone jumping in my match and saying that they want Turner and, and Nawabra as their top two trade picks. I'm like, I mean, I'm a, Can't I'm trade a Nawabra. Nawabra, but... well, Oh, yeah. I, I think it was just a, a silly sort of comment. But I'm, I'm all in on Nawabra. And, you know, if it's a, if he's a 13th, 14th guy on the roster and, and the Nets, you know, end up letting go of Theo Pinson or whatever and there's no TLC, then, you know, having David Nawabra in the reserves, obviously it's going to be about how he recovers from that Achilles. When he when did he do it? Can someone look that up for me? Because obviously Pretty you're sure looking it was at... December. Yeah, yeah it was so 2019. Months... There you go. So I guess in, in that sense of imagination, maybe if we get a December start to the NBA, which seems more and more yeah. likely as the days go by, maybe he's recovered by then. I, I, I can't necessarily say I'm not a medical practitioner. I mean, I think KD is healthy right now, but that's just my opinion. But... Ooh, Will's got the medical background now. No, I, I'm, I'm just saying from what like we've seen from like what Ian Eagle has said and from other people around him said, I just do think that he's 
at least like 85, 90% healed at this point. And like, yeah, if he really wanted to, he could be on the NBA for right now. I agree with Will to the extent that I think he has recovered from his Achilles. I think right now is just a rehab of getting back to being Kevin Durant. You know, it's back to being mm-hmm. the best at what you do. You know, just the stopping on a dime, like doing the different things that only elite athletes have to do. Like if he was a normal human, he probably would have been good to go like two months ago. But the fact is he's trying to play basketball at the highest level. I think it's just like some of that grind. And then it's also just like getting comfortable and getting that contact with other players. And Jack kind of mentioned it. It probably didn't help that he wasn't able to go to the facility anymore because I'm sure they're giving him the best care possible. Right. And we're also approaching a uh, full year since the injury. I mean, that's going to be in about a month. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see like maybe – do you think if the NBA resumes in August, he'll play? I think why well, my take in this hasn't changed, and this has been my pretty much my take is I think it'll all be up to Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant mm-hmm. says Sean Marks, I'm good to go. Nothing's gonna change from now until the season start or whatever it might be. I was planning to play in the Olympics anyways. It's August. Just let me go and see what I got, and this kind of helps us too because we can figure out how we fit as a team and if you need right. to make that trade. No, I totally. I I would love. Obviously, I'm itching to see Kevin Durant in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. I might cry me, the first time he steps on the court. <laughs> media day, media day, media day was not enough for me. I need to see more. But um, no, I'm itching to see it. But obviously, I'm gonna be patient. And whenever he's comfortable and ready, it's gonna be enough for me. I'm just super excited to just finally, finally see a superstar in Nets uniform. I will say one more thing before I let Jack make his point. I think some of it also could depend on if Kyrie is healthy. If Kyrie is healthy mm-hmm. too, it makes more sense for both of them to play. But if Kyrie's not healthy, well, I could see KD saying, "I'm not really sure." By August, I think Kyrie's shoulder should heal. Like just from the timeline that we were given, I think it was three months, two to three months. So I think theoretically by August, his shoulder should be healed. But you know, it's all, also like you said, all up to KD and Kyrie if they feel good enough to play. Nice defensive play there from Jared Allen. Um, and I, I think the last point that you guys sort of touched on with, with Kyrie Irving is is what matters. You know, Katie's probably. Uh, a basketball fiend. There aren't many people who love and dissect this game and are obsessed with this game as much as he is. You know, I think that he's going to want to play basketball in some sense or the other. And if the NBA is back for however many games, obviously it makes no sense for him to return if Kyrie Irving isn't there. But at the end of the day, if Katie's healthy, you know, like Nick said, he's going to want to he's going to want to play basketball. And I think that I would want to see him back. Uh, sooner rather than later, but if it makes no sense to bring him back, if the if you know we're only playing five games and we're in some sort of bubble, you know, Katie's obviously recovered from the coronavirus as well. You know, his his agent Rich Clement said there were some scary moments there. Good job, uh, Karis. There, by the way, it is a nice drive by Karis. You know, the the Nets have built a, a nice little mini buffer here and, and getting some free throws at the end of the third. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm. I'm the pessimist. I'm the pessimistic one. I was going to say pessimistic. Uh, I'm the <laughs> new term. I'm the pe- I'm the pessimistic one. I don't think we see Katie because I think it makes more sense for him not to play than it for it than it does. You know, one more thing I'll say is I think that he was going to play in the Olympics. Um, now that there's no Olympics, we can't tell. But I think that he was yeah. going to play with Kyrie in the Olympics. That should, or not with Kyrie because Kyrie would have been hurt. But I think he was going to play in the Olympics. I Fair think point. so too. And I just wanted to throw this point about Nawaba that I didn't mention before because I was too excited to talk about KD. Um, I think Nawaba makes a lot of sense for the Nets in the terms of he's going to probably still be rehabbing when the season starts next time, depending on like what he's been mm-hmm. able to do getting into the facilities, which obviously seems like it's been a struggle at this point for a lot of players because it's been mandated not to go. 
But I think Nawab would make a lot of sense if somebody on the Nets was injured during the season and they needed to sign another name, signed him like midway through the year, and he just gave you a little boost to the bench. Give me a lot of trumpet. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, miss, I do miss Shumpert. I wish we kept him around, but uh, yeah, it made sense to let him go. But, yeah. Yeah, we're not getting to the Aman Shumpert chatter part of the podcast. So we got oh, another quarter one, to go, lads. One more minimum name that I, I, I do want to talk about because there was a little bit of talk about him on that Twitter today was um, Carmelo. Honestly, uh, I just was looking at the free agent uh, list and I've been thinking in my head about it, and I'm just like, ah, uh, can I convince myself this will work? I'm not really the biggest Carmelo guy, even if he's only playing ten minutes a game, ten fifteen. Uh, yeah, um, I. I've seen Carmelo Anthony on at Barclays Center, and I've seen mm-hmm. that infamous moment where he takes the dribble oh, on the Mel's court. Oh, Melo's going to shoot. And he does not. And it was probably the loudest moment for Dwayne Wade's you know, retirement uh, ceremony that I've, that I've heard. It was, it was a pretty fun moment to be at, to be honest. I was very lucky to, to win those tickets. Shout out to, to Brooklyn Net Social Media for that one. But, yeah, I don't need another guy who's taken like, – I think I mentioned this uh, about Rudy Gobert. If you're taking possessions away from Katie and Kyrie – you know, Rudy Gobert in, in a role situation, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Carmelo Anthony with about a million jab steps, taking <laughs> 18 footers. Uh, if he, if we get a, a, a lesser version of Portland, Carmelo Anthony, and he is just taking threes, he turns into like Vince Carter, he turns into a vet that is literally only taking threes. Like if I'm Ty Lue or Jacques Vaughn or whoever it is that's coaching the team, and if Carl Anthony is signs a contract and he 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 decides to take less than ten shots a night, and eight of them have to be threes if he is taking ten shots, uh, then yes, I'm all in. But uh, I don't think Carmelo Anthony would sign that contract. I think the only way Carmelo makes sense is if the Nets deplete their roster and they make a trade for a third star, and they're trying to get some type of bench scoring. Because I think you Melo could probably still give you that, and like as a bench player. But if they keep the team as is and maybe make an upgrade for a Miles Turner, Miles Turner or an Aaron Gordon, I don't think Melo makes a ton of sense. But if you get desperate and you need pieces and you trade away all your assets, then you can probably convince me Melo might make sense. Well, I think the one thing that Sean Marks has in his back pocket is that you can go over the tax to bring Joe Harris back. And I think that if yep. you're going to bring Joe Harris back, then you don't need Carmelo Anthony, even though they're not similar players in their primes. At this point in Melo's career, Joe Harris makes more sense than Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, well, that I mean, I would assume. Biggest, I would assume if Melo came, obvious, that most obvious statement ever. <laughs> yeah. You guys are starting the fourth quarter right now, right? We are at the fourth. Yes, right. we are. At, I'm at eleven thirty-eight. Got uh, Chiosa dribbling up top, and we didn't comment on this, but the guy who shot the halftime shots was pretty terrible, or the qu- mid-quarter yeah. shots. To <laughs> he was win. airballing them. <laughs> it was kind of embarrassing. Hey, at least watch. he didn't win. At least you didn't do it at uh, MSG and win bloody scratch cards, lottery cards, or whatever it is. That's a goddamn disgrace. $1,000 James scratch-offs. Uh, does anybody know the results of the scratch-offs? <laughs> I'm think assuming so. there's nothing because you never win those. It's like if you That's... drop the G on them, you better hope you at least win that value back. Like, yeah, It's a goddamn joke. Um, but we know James Dolan is cheap, and he's finally giving Jeremy Lin the recognition he deserves in a bit of rewatches over there. So... Um, yeah, Lynn Stanley. I, I think I posted a, a photo of D'Lo and Jeremy Lynn a couple of days ago, and I was like, oh, just for the sake of it, just for the throwback Thursday vibes. And it got uh, a little bit too much traction. I wasn't expecting that. But, Two of the um, biggest fan bases on Twitter. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's crazy how far this team has come from the Jeremy Lynn, D'Angelo Russell, Alan Crabb days, though. 
That is. was like when we started the buzz, wasn't it, Nick? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we had. I was excited to watch the Jeremy Lin, D'Angelo Russell backcourt and kind of see how that developed, and then we saw Jeremy Lin, I think, tore his patella tendon game one yeah. against the Pacers. I remember yeah. that. Poor That's guy. Back. That was yeah. sad. Sad to watch. Definitely. Yeah, I remember watching that as well. wasn't wasn't fun. Nets have got a five point lead here. Jared Allen guarding LeBron James. I wonder. We know Jared <laughs> Allen can guard LeBron James pretty well. Uh, but not didn't that. work there. No. <laughs> I think I that's an area my... where I wanted to see J- Jared Allen take more of a jump, where he's continued to show flashes as being a switchy center and defend on the perimeter, and then other times it's just like he gets beat too easily. Obviously, it's there. LeBron. And um, I mean, for me, I'm. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, that is a very nice. I love that. Chai, chai, chai. Um, from a personal standpoint, I watch LeBron James a lot. Force him left. You're, yeah. you're leaving him. Jared Allen literally left him with an open lane to drive with to his right. And he's, you know, obviously he has a nice handle with his left or right. But we know LeBron loves to drive right. And Jared Allen just leaves it open for him. Force him left, man. Especially because, you know, if he gets you to the rim, he's stronger than you, too. He's going to be able to put you on his hip yeah. and kind of finish on you. And that's exactly what happened. But and highlight, that's the thing highlight that... of our boy Chioza working. And that's that's the thing that Nets Twitter has been asking of Jared Allen for years now is to really get stronger, especially inside against more physical players than him. And he hasn't hasn't made that jump yet at this point. You know, he's still only 22 years old, just turned 22 the other day. Happy birthday, Jared. But he has not shown a physical jump at all in his three seasons. And that's definitely concerning when you're looking for him to improve. Yeah. And I think it's tough. And I think some of it might be biological where. Like I've brought this point up and we mentioned a lot on the outlet. Some guys, it just gets to a point where you hit your mid twenties and it's a lot easier to maintain your muscle. It feels like Jared Allen's one of those guys that just really struggles to keep on his muscle because we'll see him sometimes at media day or in training camp and he'll look like a little bit more jacked. And then by the time Mm -hmm. in the season, it looks like he lost some of that Mm -hmm. weight, which is tough to do. You're, you're sprinting up and down the basketball court nonstop. And we know Jared Allen probably, like isn't super locked in in terms of his like diet to be at the highest extent and like you're traveling so much it's hard to maintain. Yeah, yeah true. I think that you know, the, Jared Al- <laughs> the Jared Allen stance. That's that is nice move. That is nice move. Um, yeah, I'm. I think that centers need longer amounts of time in the NBA to develop into something. You know, I, I think that. Jared Allen has shown more flashes for a 22-year-old, 21-year-old, 30-year center, that's a nice move by LeBron, than most other ones, like most other have. You know, if we're, we're comparing him to Stephen Adams and Rudy Gobert, those sort of types, you know, those guys are now in their mid to late 20s. I think in right. two, three years' time, Jared Allen can be in that conversation of being one of the better centers in the league. But I think yeah. he's... Miles Turner's a, a little bit younger as well, and he's sort of showing things that we've wanted Jared Allen to show. Um, I think as fans, you know, we're just impatient by nature. And I think and, it's just you, part of the, the sorry, like, no. acquisition of Katie and Kyrie. I've kind of brought this up before. Jared Allen is a great player. He's going to be a great player. He just does not fit the Nets' current timeline. Like, he just doesn't make sense to be the starting center on a championship team because, like we've kind of mentioned, he doesn't have the experience. Like Will mentioned, he doesn't have the physical strength you need. And, like, my concern is that he just gets punked so much during the regular season, during the postseason, that's just going to amplify. And like you kind of mentioned, Jack, going back to Jared Allen, is that, I mean, 
you look at some of the best centers in the league, like Joel Embiid missed the first two years of his career. Rudy Gobert, second-round pick. Nikola Jokic, second-round pick. I mean, the best centers in the league right now, except for Carl Anthony Downs and Anthony Davis, who are you know, the number one overall pick, they take a lot of time to get to where they are. And they're not going to be there when they're you know, 20, 21 years old. They need time to get to where they are. And Jared Allen, I do have full confidence that one day he can get to a better level than what he's at right now. He just needs time. And like you said, Nick, that just doesn't fit what the Nets need right now, having you know 31-year-old Kevin Durant, 28-year-old Kyrie Irving on your team. And I'm just going to say this. I'm surprised they did not call that offensive foul. Kuzma got away with a full extension there. Usually I'll give it to you. Like if you just put the forearm, they're not going to call it. But Kuzma gave Karras that full push. Speaking of Kuzma, blonde hair, yes or no? Called no. Uh, <laughs> well, he doesn't so have it anymore. But... Yeah, I think he kind of made it work a little bit. He did. You know, I think Kyle Kuzma is a, a wannabe Dennis Rodman in a lot of ways. Kyle Kuzma is like the guy that gets star attention, but he's not even close to sniffing being a star. If he ever leaves the Lakers, that's Lake what line, you get for playing for the Lakers, though. I mean, look at Alex yeah. Caruso. True. No disrespect. If Alex Caruso, Caruso was on, if Alex Caruso was on the Charlotte Hornets, he doesn't even get considered for the dunk contest. True. True. No, Kyle Kuzma is on the Charlotte Hornets, then. Yeah, I don't know. Kyle he's Kuzma out of the league. He's probably Terry Rozier. <laughs> He's PJ Washington with you know a, a nice suit. Um, yeah. yeah, I think oh, that's oh nice offensive board there from Jared. This is ah oh. oh, that was in and out, and uh, it's interesting because here the Nets you know halfway through the the fourth, obviously the the Lakers have to sort of come back here a little bit, and obviously when you have LeBron James, you can come back in any stage. You know the the bench is certainly into this one as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bench was into it a lot this season. I mean, that's just something that the Nets have been known for the past couple of years with some of the bench players they have. Is that they're, especially when you have a guy like Kevin Durant, the focus is always on the bench, and the Nets bench has always been kind of a meme the last couple of years in the NBA. Sure, very true. I love memes, bench memes. <laughs> I miss, I miss any bench reactions from any team. I miss D-Lo. live NBA stuff. I miss yeah, D'Lo's bench reactions. Jared Dudley was a god at it. I miss Jared Dudley. Even uh, Kenny had some ones. They were a little weird, but. <laughs> weird guy. Weird guy. Apparently uh, doesn't, remember the, doesn't. Big mid guy, apparently. Big mid guy. Remember the beginning of the season when he held up the sign for some reason? Yep. Loved it. That was, that was great. Rumor is when he uh, when he wiped the earwax on his lips, that's when KD and Kyrie didn't want him to be the coach anymore. Oh, my <laughs> plate. Let's <laughs> not kidding. go there. Let's not go there. We're not getting into conspiracy. This isn't a conspiracy part. Let's talk I thought about it was because I, I uh, he's not a vegan. Yeah. Oh, no, not that one. Not that one. We Please, just saw the Beyond get... Meat commercial. <laughs> oh, wow. We've wow. been seeing Beyond Meat commercials the entire game. Yeah. It is a well, bit of a... Yeah. Well, Kevin Durant, well, Kyrie and DeAndre are beyond me, but Kevin Durant's the uh, the other one, impossible meat. Interesting. I mean, you, know, you guys, are you guys a fan of that, or are you guys a fan? No, of like, I'm, yeah. I'm. I had sausage for dinner. I'm full. <laughs> full meat. Jack, I don't. Um, yeah, I'm. I have been trying to eat uh, a, a more vegetarian diet. Um, I don't mind some meat substitutes every now and then but at the same time i did also have you know a, a wagyu beef that uh, meal for dinner last night um living large here in melbourne uh, at some point because you know the only thing we can do in quarantine is eat big but you know i think that at the end of the day people eat what they want to eat and i think you know despite the fact that deandre jordan 
might not seem as strong as possible. I don't think it's because he's not having uh, a cow in his diet. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, it's just a meme on that Twitter. It's not nothing that serious. And it's a meme that I'm... Any memes are good memes at the end of the day because <laughs> you know, we're, we're in the business of content, aren't we, Nick? Yeah, we are. We are. And uh, revisiting the Aaron Gordon Miles Turner poll, a little bit of traction on it so far. Aaron Gordon with 58%, Miles Turner with 42%. Interesting. Well, I think Your... it's, it's also some of the contract situation. I could I could hear an argument being that you'd have $27 million tied to your center position because I think Miles Turner's making like 17, which isn't necessarily yeah. ideal, but I still think like Turner's fit. The fact that he's so switchy just really sells me. Whoever wins this poll, Nick, you have to stand for. That's uh, those are the rules. <laughs> well, it looks like Aaron Gordon's going to win that poll unless uh, unless Miles Turner himself retweets it. Well, ah, we what happens if we get both? If it's a I'm fi- not a fan of that because that would include giving up Spencer and Karras for ah. Miles Turner and Aaron Gordon. Well, I think no. I think you could make an argument that you could get you could get away with not giving up both those guys. Well, how are you going to get Aaron Ward without giving up Karis to Spencer? I think that there's a three-team scenario that works there. I think uh, like Magic fans mm-hmm. are a little bit overvaluing Aaron Gordon. It's a known thing that they sure. trade him because Jonathan Isaac is an ideal four. Gordon is not an ideal three. Neither guy really wants to play the three. I think it would right. be up to Sean Marks to get creative and move picks. But like I mentioned in my proposal for Miles Turner, Torian Prince, Jared Allen in a first-round pick, you're not giving up any name. You're just giving up a salary filler there. And I'm not sure if the Pacers hate that trade. Obviously, Torian Prince isn't giving them much value, but Jared Allen's giving them the center of a future, and they're getting. Well, the first I know that pick. I was talking to Corey a little bit today about it. He says that he is not a fan of Sabonis Allen front court. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how Sabonis really fits next to any center that doesn't shoot threes. To be honest, right? No, that's 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 a solid point. And I wouldn't be advocating for Sabonis to Brooklyn. No. I mean, as good as Simona says, he's an all-star this year. Credit where credit is due. I don't think he's – he does not fit the modern NBA player in the slightest. I think his ideal role was more of that six-man thing or if he's paired next to a Miles Turner type. Right. And yeah. that didn't work that well this season. Yeah. It, well, it was more, I think, on Miles Turner's part. He just didn't progress as Pacer fans thought he would. But he still has the potential to be a great NBA player. Yeah, and talking to Corey, like a lot of the issue for him is that they pretty much asked him to switch his position, where like he's played the five his entire career. He's used to like shooting some threes, but he spends a lot of time around the rim. And then when you ask him to spend his entire time at the three point line, it's just different. Well, I, one other point that I want to get to is I, I think it became clear throughout the season that DeAndre did not like being the backup to Jared Allen. Do you think that he'd be okay coming off the bench from Miles Turner? Can't I don't think he'd be. Yeah, I don't think he'd be okay coming off the bench at all. I think the but, players players overvalue too much, like starting and the status of starting. I don't think there is a, and I mean I'm not an NBA player and I never will be, but I think the status of starting doesn't matter. Like I think that closing matters. Closing mm-hmm. closing is what matters, and you know, DeAndre Jordan should be closing either in in most situations when it does matter. But. Uh, at the end of the day, you can't tell a person how he's going to feel. Um, but I think DeAndre certainly, you know, I had some people who were sort of talking about it um, when we were bringing up the different proposals that, you know, Aaron, DeAndre Jordan probably would feel a certain way. You know, the fact that I think he might have 
an inflated sense of self, not in a, in a negative way. It's just because, like, you know, he happens to be best friends with two of the best superstars in the NBA. So he's just like, all right, well, these guys are my best friends. So uh, aren't I in that conversation? Aren't I part of a, a, a big three? Um, and I'm, I know some people brought up, you know, the stupidity of that when it was DeAndre Jordan. But, uh, yeah, I think he probably would be a little bit upset, to be fair. And I, feel I mean, like I he think... wants to play oh. value in the team. Like, he wants to be a part mm-hmm. of the championship if they win. And he will be. I mean, he's not going to get any less minutes than he would if he came off the uh, if he was starting compared to coming off the bench. It's just it's just a title at that point. I feel like because a lot what Kenny Atkinson isn't here anymore. But what he did with I felt like with Kenny with um, DeAndre and Jared Allen is didn't really have a plan. Just whoever was playing better was the closing center going down the stretch. And a lot of times it happened to be DeAndre Jordan. And I feel like if we had Miles Turner, that'd still be the case, and he'd be you know, closing out the fourth quarter with us a lot, even if we had Miles Turner. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if I mean, if I was the head coach of the Nets and I had Miles Turner and DeAndre Jordan, I'd be paying Miles Turner minimum 30 minutes and DeAndre could have 18. He wouldn't be happy about it, but I think there's a more of a talent gap differential and a fit differential between Miles Turner and DeAndre Jordan than there is between Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. But also – that would also kind of push on Marks away from making that move probably for Turner because he understands he has right. to manage the ego where Aaron Gordon kind of is a guy that doesn't really have a negative impact on anybody, and he's a guy that obviously they'd hope to talk to him before making the trade that'd be willing to do right. some of the dirty work. And I think Gordon's actually an okay passer too. I believe he had a triple-double this past season. Hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, well, there was a couple of plays earlier where Spencer drived on Anthony Davis. This is about, like, I think it's almost like three possessions in a row where Spencer didn't really get a a few offensive fouls in this late stretch. But he took Anthony Davis off the dribble and he got him. He just missed it. And DJ's trying to tell him to shut up. I think Dimwitty does need to shut up a lot because there was a defensive possession earlier where he's just, like, looking at the referee when he should be switching on defense. Yeah. I think it just gets to a point where if there's a stoppage, complain. But if it's actual game action and that's impacting your play and getting back, then that shit sucks. And there, Jack, is the most painful moment of the net season for you. Uh, uh, okay, I'm going to need a minute, guys. You guys Uh-oh. come up with something. Thankfully, this is, I know this he's is a okay. take that I had. He's limping. It would have really hurt the nets if the season didn't go on hiatus because I think Joe Harris is missing minimum a week, like if not more. That looks like an ugly-ass ankle sprain. I know he comes back in the game, but a lot of us know playing basketball, like your ankle feels fine for that day, and then the next day you wake up and the shit looks like a softball. Yeah, yeah, it's the worst injury to get. Uh, Joe Harris is definitely an important player I've, for the Nets. I mean, not not that that wasn't obvious, but I feel like if we don't, I feel like he's definitely at the top of my list for players to get next season. He's one of the best complimentary players on the Nets in general. You can plug and play him next to anybody on the roster, and he's still going to be able to play his game and probably have a positive impact on the team, at least offensively. And defensively, I think, He's at least competent, where it's not like he's going to lock anyone down. He's probably not going to shut anyone down. He's not going to play great defense, but you can count on him to play his position and put in effort. Mm. Yeah, I still blame DeAndre Jordan for that box out, uh, like a boxing out. and It's um, something I'll hold hold against him till the day I die. DJ caused my boy to get hurt. I mean, Here's you know, a replay. Anthony Davis, yeah, we'll see. All right, here we go. Here's the replay. Here we go. DeAndre not boxing out Anthony Davis. He boxed out Daniel. Joe Harris has to go up for it. Yeah. And then, boom, Joe Harris lands on the ankle. Nobody boxed out Anthony Davis. 
Actually, I remember Billy jumped into my mentions and was sort of saying that he thought it was Karis Vert that should have had the box out. And Karis uh, and maybe box I, out Anthony Davis. I'm sorry, He's just not. That's, that's, that's what I thought. Um, and I don't want to hate Nick um, for the rest of his <laughs> life, so I'll, I'm just going to direct that hatred towards DeAndre Jordan. I think sometimes it just gets into a situation where DeAndre just went to the first body he's looking to box out. It's kind of hard to expect him to be like, oh, shit, I got eyes in the back of my head. Like, Anthony Davis is coming in from the three-point line. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a tough mm-hmm. – it's a good play from Anthony Davis. And, I mean, when you have three-point shooters on the perimeter that rush in for an offensive rebound, if they don't get it, the Nets just had an easy transition bucket because their guy that's supposed to be going back for defense just came up for the offensive board. And that is a clutch-ass three from Karis Avert. And that's like a thing yes, that Karis has done this season. He's even had some bad games, and he's coming and hit big shots. He looks confident when he's taking those threes. Really yeah. confident. I think that's oh, the important Davis. thing. And DeAndre mm. just can't guard AD. I mean, I think it's a little bit of a concern because... Not many people can do that, to be fair. Yeah, but I mean, like, <laughs> at least he, get out there for a contest. Yes, no. I mean, DeAndre Jordan is not not an elite perimeter defender in the slightest. He is uh, below average, I would say. And he's de- that is definitely something that's need to improve, especially guarding against, like, big guys who can shoot. I mean, that was definitely a weakness for us throughout the season. I feel like- And as he's, like, initially guarding him, he's, like, three feet away from him, like, with his hand up. And it's just like, he can get a shot off what, with you there. Like, close out a little bit, and then you don't have to run to close out, and your momentum takes it where he can get a possibly and one play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's the worst part about it. I mean, I don't specifically remember the outcome of this uh, this replay, but if that ends up being the and one, that just adds insult to injury there. It's like he could have closed that a little bit harder. And I think that's also where some of the issue with Jared Allen is, is because I think we want Jared Allen to be like maybe the opposite end of the spectrum where maybe he's not the elite low post defender or, you know, the physical presence inside that DeAndre can be. But if he was able to showcase better perimeter skills and defending out there, I think that'd make you feel more comfortable with having that combo. And he has a better body than DeAndre Jordan yeah. to be a better perimeter defender. I mean, better he's more too. lean. Yep, he's a lot leaner than DeAndre Jordan. He definitely has the ability, I think, to be a little bit faster getting out there. It's just a question of, you know, will he get better at it? Yeah, we haven't even really talked about it. I think the other thing with trading Jared Allen becomes of the contract situation. I think he has a year remaining on his deal after next se- after whatever this season. So in 2021, he's a free it's Restricted. Agent. Yeah. Yeah, restricted, yeah. And I, th- I would be surprised if, you know, usually restricted guys don't get offer sheets, but teams are going to be know the Nets are hurting in the money area, like in terms of like their cap situation. Right. So I think an offer sheet would be likely from another team. I mean, maybe Washington is looking for payback for Otto Porter Jr. or Miami with Tyler Johnson or Portland with Alan Crabb. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. There's certainly those names. And that three is off. They I said that when the Nets signed those guys to offer sheets that teams would be upset with them and probably looking yep, for Yeah, I remember that report. The teams were upset with the Nets and told them to keep their hands off their players. Smart, smart. I know if, if other teams aren't going to do it, then you know, that's their issue. Oh, that's lucky that that didn't go down. Yeah, we got lucky and a few times in this game. We're in the closing moments now, 240 to go. Spencer is being hounded by Danny Green. Gets him off the dribble, and of course, it's an offensive foul. Uh, it generally is. You know, if uh, it's ain't the bad boy Pistons days anymore, Spence, you can't do that stuff. Yeah, it's an offensive foul. Like he, unless you're James Harden. Sorry. Just exactly, and I and I think that you know if 
if it was, I think probably Spencer thinks it's smart in today's day and age, but that's an offensive foul, and uh, I, I'm, it's the right call. I think yeah. the problem with Spencer when he gets these calls on him, you can obviously tell he's trying to draw the foul instead of try to make the shot or perform a basketball-like play. Like, you can tell yep. he tried to initially make the contact, and then he went up. If he was going up and shooting at the same time, I think it's even if he hits him in the face, I think it's tough for the ref to call an offensive foul. But the way that he did it, it just screams, hey, I'm trying to draw a foul, and oh, yeah, I just hit him with in the face. Yeah. And I think that that's an area that Spencer needs to be better in and, and in terms of just playing smarter basketball and just going straight to the rack and going to the rim. And if he doesn't get the call, he doesn't get the call because, you know, even saying that, he still gets probably a lot more calls than many other players in the NBA do get. He's not James Harden, but you know, not many players in the NBA are and play that style of basketball. And only a very minute few get the calls that, that they those sort of players do. 100%. And I think it's like... Trying I was to saying, explain to the ref right here. And I was saying to Will, I feel like Spencer is impacted drastically by the officiating crew. Like, certain sure. crews are going to call certain ways and the other ones aren't. And then he's like, well, I just did this last night and I got that call, but tonight I'm not. So it's like, it's a frustration, but it's just kind of an understanding of who's officiating the game. Well, Chandler Garner and LeBron James here. I wouldn't necessarily take the ball out of his hands, but Anthony Davis There's is being guarded by John Ray Jordan. You give him that shot. That's you live a, with a it, yeah. Too. Yeah, I think that that's it. If he's on the three-point line, um, you probably... And Anthony Davis is an amazing three-point shooter, but you know the three is always more valuable. Spencer here, what's he going to do? Avery Bradley on him, one of the better on-ball defenders in the league. Torian Prince wants to get the switch, the back screen. Uh, Jordan, I believe Karras makes this, though. No. Nope. No. It's just a terrible possession. Nothing got Looking established. Spencer kind of just hugging the ball a little bit too long. Looking at this Lakers team, though, I mean, they kind of have the perfect role-player team assembled around LeBron and AD. I mean, this is exactly what I think the Nets are going to try to shoot for next year. Have your, you know, your Danny Green, your Rajon Rondo, your KCP, your Avery Bradley, your JaVale McGee. I mean, these are the players that really help when you have superstars win a championship and get you over the hump. Yeah, I think they'd be happy if they had a little bit better three-point shooting, but I think, like, the basis... And the Nets have that, and Joe Harris. Yeah, the basis of the skill sets do work. And it's not like the Lakers have the Lakers have pretty poor three point shooting as well. To be fair, I think LeBron James has shot the most threes on their team. You know, obviously Danny Green is that guy, but he's not playing as many minutes and such. And LeBron's starting to shoot that three ball a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's if they could get better, like more tr- truer three and D guys. I think the Lakers would start to become almost like unbeatable to an extent because you have LeBron running the show. He's great, obviously drawing two players, and then you have him running a pick and roll with Anthony Davis. They're drawing three bodies. That's leaving somebody open. The problem is they just don't have those elite three-point shooters. True. And you know, these is where Karras. the free throw matters. Good Karras. Good boy. That's what you want to hit. And, yeah, I think in these closing moments, you know, you get confidence from the yep. fact that I think that, you know, I think that Wilson Chandler probably should have guarded LeBron a bit more there because the, the clock does matter. Clock management matters in these moments. Karras getting the switch. Uh, yeah, uh, right by him to Danny Green, and that's then. Nope. Okay. The board by Chandler there. That is a really good board by Chandler. I think that his rebounding is quite solid. And this is where, you know, you're, you're three points up. You're, if you nail this, you're probably putting nearly a nail in the coffin. And um, let's see what the. I don't remember what the Nets come up with. That Not shit, yet. To be honest. Not yet. It's another possession or two. Spoiler. Uh, 
Yeah, my bad. That was honestly a beautiful take from uh, Spencer, though. He didn't finish, but that shit was pretty. That was very pretty. And then good fight there by DJ. I'd like to see a replay to see if he was fouled or if he's just pissed off. <laughs> he's always pissed off. Yeah, we know he's always pissed off, but was he fouled? That's, that is the question. I'm sure we'll yes. win some sort of replay. DJ loves to touch the ball. Uh, uh, that's good, was, that's good defense, especially two minutes left in the game. If you, I would be mad if they called that if I was a Laker fan. I think DeAndre yeah, had a good case for getting – he got hacked like by six different people in the Lakers. Hacked, hacked, well, he's shooting now. Three, so. three. There we go. Pretty sure yeah. he goes 0-2, though. Yeah, that's not promising. So I know the final score. He definitely goes 0-2. OBJ's off his seat as well. You can see him in the, the bright little faded is, pastel yellow. Is Odell a Lakers fan? Uh, it seems like it. he was asking for a review on that last play. I think he's just a LeBron fan, though. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's been on the he's been on the shop and stuff, and maybe is he is is he a client of of Rich Paul? Maybe he might be. I'm not sure. I doubt it. Does Rich Paul does Rich Paul do uh, do football? No, I think he, I think he does. I think like I saw somewhere when an NFL draft Twitter that people were saying like Rich Paul has like the second and third pick in in the draft or something like that. But not 100. That's a dagger. And we're seeing Anthony Davis do this so well and getting so many wide-open three-point shots, but it's also because he's playing with LeBron, and, like, you have to help. And that's just the same situation the Nets would be in yeah. if it was Kyrie or Kevin Durant, if they have a one-on-one. There's a good chance someone's going to have to help because chances are the, the other team doesn't have two elite perimeter defenders, so you should be able to try to find some work, and that would lead to, you know, your center getting a wide-open three, which, you know, in this hypothetical case could be Miles Turner. Yeah. Very true. But I've already lost hope now because of the just thinking about the Andre aspect of it. So I'll just cry somewhere. Maybe it can yeah, be Serge Ibaka in the closing lineup. I'm I Serge. would not hate that. Would not hate that at all. Maybe it would be Anthony Davis. I'm putting it out there. <laughs> I it... mean, I would love it. Uh, that would be some big – would that be the greatest big three of all time? KD, Kyrie, Anthony Davis? It's hard to say no, right? I mean, I don't I'm think not... like – when LeBron, Bosch, and Wade, I don't think Bosch and Wade nearly are at where KD, I'm not KD, where Kyrie and uh, and uh, Anthony Davis are at right now. And then yeah. if you look at, think about other ones, I mean, KD, Steph, and Clay, it's hard to argue with that one, but Clay Thompson isn't at the level that, um, that Kyrie is at right now. Yeah, Very they'd, true. They'd probably, I mean, a lot would depend on um, Kevin Durant's and Kyrie's health, but I think there's a fair yeah. argument that could be the best three ever for sure. I mean, you have. Three top 12 players. You know, some people might say Kyrie's top 10. Some might say top 15, whatever. But still, that would just be Top 15 for sure. I don't – I'm not putting him in top 10, but top 15, top 12, definitely. So – And I've seen seen all these Dunkin' Donuts. Hey, there's my boy Joe. Look how strong he is. Look at that. And then Torian Prince. (laughs) And Torian Prince. Um, Do you think Torian – if you had to put money on it right now, Torian Prince, yes, no, on the team next season? uh, No. Probably – I'll go – I'll go yes for the sake of it. There's the shot. It was beautiful. That's a that's a pretty the stank face from Karis is really shot. underrated right there too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Karis, uh, Karis is kind of cute when he's like. <laughs> his um, I don't know. I just I think he's still got a bit of a baby face, Karis. He definitely does. He definitely does. Him, D'Lo, Joe Harris, all of them. Hey, Joe is anything but a baby. He's all he's man. A man, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Joe Harris is a baby with a beard. 
Sorry. Baby beard. Let's uh let's get it trending. So let's get Flatbush Atlantic back into business. Let's get a shirt out of that. I miss yep. Flatbush. I'm wearing one of his shirts right now. Spencer like had a good it. case for uh and one there too. Bradley probably he had his did. hands in the cookie basket. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. That's just uh that's I mean Spencer's I wouldn't I was just like, okay, this shot is uh an interesting one. But you know, I think at these points of the game in the last sort of two minutes, that is where the mid range shot matters probably yep. more than any other time in the NBA, any other and time the, of, of the 48 minutes. And the thing is, the Nets now have probably two of the best mid-range shooters in the NBA with Kyrie and KD. 100%. Yeah, I would say that. I can't. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's probably the one that's probably the only one that could hold a team to their name and probably is better than Kyrie. Yeah, I would say he's probably better than Kyrie, but maybe not better than KD, but that's KD at his best. Yeah, I think KD and Kawhi are in tier one. And then, like, Kyrie's right underneath them. It's the one thing that holds Kyrie back is his height. You know what I mean? Yep. Kawhi and KD are both very tall. But the fact team. that he's able to lose defender so easily just adds so much to his game, too, in, in the mid-range. I like his mid... I like... Uh, one thing that I really like is Kyrie's, like, mid to low post game. And I think it, you yes. can only really get to that if you have great floor spacing, like a center that can shoot threes. You know, I'm not going to mm-hmm. bring that point up again, but... Uh... Oh, you're talking about Miles Turner again? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking about stretching the floor. I think a five-out lineup just really excites me. And I think if... What one... a miss! He missed. One thing that's been apparent is just like Karras just has no ability to defend LeBron James. I love him, but he's just like physically, he just does not have this the weight or the strength right. to deal with that body. Not that many, technically two guards do, but I don't know how he missed that. Honestly, yeah. I was just like that was in that was that that's an easy shot. Like he's under the rim, you know. Yes, it's the offhand, but that is an easy shot, and that sh- like. I don't think LeBron got enough uh, criticism for missing that shot because you get that shot, you know, we go to OT and... Or the Nets uh, have a chance the... to win it on the other end. Exactly. Let's see so... it again. Yeah, just... that's just a bad miss. Yeah. Like, he's he's there. Like, he's right under the rim. It's like a, it's a two-footer. With yeah, and LeBron finishes with his offhand, you know, in his sleep. So that's just a that's a terrible, terrible mess. The only thing I could think of is that maybe LeBron ideally wanted to go right there, and then the fact DeAndre forced him forced him to use his left, he didn't anticipate it, and sometimes when it happens so quick, if like kind of screws you up. But again, he's LeBron, so I'm not trying to make too many excuses for him. Big replay here. Who do you think gets the ball? <laughs> Drumroll. No, we, we all know. We I want the Nets to get go. this freaking rebound so damn bad. Like, this loose ball is just like, no. It just felt so bad in the moment. It's like, oh, the Lakers are going to get this, aren't they? And then yeah, when Anthony I, Davis takes that shot. Yeah, it was I felt si- pretty, yeah. sickening. No, I felt, yeah, I felt pretty despondent. I'm like, yeah, this is in. I, I had Nick Claxton's face. I was just like, all right, it's in. But uh, thankfully, history... KD was yelling in his face. It was, and Katie won us the game. Even even on the bench, he's winning us games. That's uh, that's how damn good Kevin Durant is. He doesn't have to be out there to win your games. Damn, if Spencer didn't hit that with his calf, I actually think it might have been out on Danny Green. Like they both yeah, touched think... it, but Green got it like last. But then Spencer had a dance, break dance. Yeah, you got a little, you got a little bit of a tip. All you need is the tip, Nick. <laughs> and well, and well. <laughs> Whoever's sticking around now, you know, good luck to you. I'm I'm going wild with it. We hope you're over 18. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll have to make this an explicit pod. I feel like we have to make all, all right. the pods explicit. Here we go. Here, here it is. Now, this is the possession that, you know, 
probably could have changed maybe the Lakers' fortunes as well because this is their last game that they played too. But this is what I hate. Like Deion, like he has to guard LeBron there, but that just leaves Anthony Davis so open. Like it was a really a really great play design by Frank Vogel, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Yep. Because DeAndre was going to be caught in a situation where he didn't either help on LeBron or he left Anthony Davis wide open. So it was, I, you got to give credit to Vogel. And obviously, AD just has one of those skill sets where it's just like t- tough to deal with. You know what I mean? There's not many guys that are getting the ability to draw you out to the three-point line and also make you worry about like cutting inside. True that. True that. All right, fellas. Well, that wraps it up for another Brooklyn Buzz rewatch. Will, happy to have you on the first rewatch for you. And then Jack will be yep, back at this fine. again. Definitely got to get you back on the show. Appreciate everybody listening in. And like I mentioned before, you can find us iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTG Basketball. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.